podcast hey guys what's up we're good hi what's up it's good it's podcast it's, it's podcast it's good wow you're weird steve i'm a record no, you had a whole weird. spiel on how right, you right, like right. records yes so you should just be thanking me well, yeah, but up you're, and down you're a record that the power is dying on you're not a regular record but that's what started the whole hip-hop genre which is all today's topic you're not. So no, you're not. No, you're you're very not. bad that, at that's this. That's how it goes, right? You should pretend. <laughs> I'm to, pretty sure that's how it goes. You should pre- pretend to be box. So and do some like. So John, how's your sunburn? Don't even start. Oh man. Oh, now I really want to slap you. Right on it. Well, because John missed Nerd Cabaret on Sunday because he had a sunburn, Uncle Baby. Because I was borderline sun poisoning from working outside all day in the sun without a shirt on and sweating. I, I'll kid you not, I drank two full Gatorades, two cups of coffee, two cups of juice, and two gallons of water, and did not pee all day. That's abnormal. He should have exploded. <laughs> he really should have. No, science, science says he should have exploded. Oh, science I, is I, infallible. That's right. It was dripping Except when they change it. That, true. Like the eggs. That's why they're... I always go back to the eggs. Well, Except yeah, a few eggs are bad for you. That, yeah. that was like the story of the last 30 years. Um... But uh, but yeah, I saw Nerd Cabaret did a greatest hits kind of show on Sunday, which was a lot of fun. Lots of parody there, which we'll be talking about next week a bit. They did lots of fun parody songs, like uh, they turned uh, "F You" into "Frack You," and sang about um, "F You" from who? CeeLo. Oh. And they turned it into "Frack You" and sang about being <laughs> at Comic Con, which was clever. Um, recorded a bunch of videos from it that'll hopefully go up on our YouTube page sometime in the next year. We have a YouTube page. We do, yeah. I like to say that. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Yeah. Well, hopefully with actual more video content in the future besides just live videos, but... The, the only real video we have up there is Joe Rude. Yeah, the everything rest else is just, just random just live performances random and fan stuff. stuff. Yeah. I still haven't Look at me, seen him. Look picture, look at Ben. I still, I still gotta talk to him. Because he, he's like a music guru, and he's got really outside-the-box music, and I gotta talk to him. We gotta... Cause well, he's he, got specific... Specific, kind of. He, he introduced me guru. to two bands I love. Like, so he's your guru. One, like in yeah. one, he's not the guru. In one yeah. afternoon, he gave me uh, "Walk Off the Earth" and uh, "Steam Power Giraffe. Giraffe." So, I mean, do so you have a man crush? Oh, big time! On jo- okay, huh, I have it. a man crush on his musical taste. Once he admits it, I have nowhere to go from there. Well, <laughs> I can't. I can't yeah, that's with the insult at all. Oh, sorry, that's um, an insult. We should no, we should all. throw right. it out there that I first um, found out about the band that we're reviewing today thanks to Noam and Sarah. And I brought it to, then bought the record, brought it to John, and John wet himself and insisted we review the record. And then I actually bought the record separately because I wanted to support this gentleman. This is... I can thank Saturday Night Live, actually. <laughs> right, well, you had actually seen it separately from us, before us, yeah. Yeah. The album we are doing is The Heist by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. This is a hip-hop album. The first true hip-hop album we have done on this podcast. I listened to it. Because you don't count Flowbots. Flowbots is a hip-hop 
rock fusion. They're not pure hip. I'd buy that. Um, it's been a while since I've listened to hip hop, and mostly because I didn't like the way it had seemed to be perpetuating the the themes of the music and everything like that. This album specifically came back uh, came out last October, October twenty twelve, and is a completely self published album. This is no label work, and I'm pointing that out right now, because this album, to talk it up a little, had two number one singles, had a number two slot in the U.S. for album, number one for indie, hip-hop, rap, and I forget the fourth category, hit number one charts across seas. This is an amazing feat for an independent album to do. I'm curious what got the indie label on this as album. an independent oh, uh, right. production so indie in its most general sense okay yes yeah. you shouldn't um, say it's labelless because it is a label it's their own label yeah it's, Macklemore's it's Macklemore. label Macklemore LLC I believe uh, Macklemore whose real name is Ben Haggerty uh, though we will be calling Macklemore because it's easier for me to remember he's from Seattle yes and it's uh, also explains the guest artists on this album most, not all, but most of the guest artists we were able to find uh, information on is also from the Seattle, Washington area. So this is a real, has a very homegrown uh, mentality to this album. This is ground up his neighborhood, in a sense. Very friendly. Like, hey, you know, have a spot on my album. That's kind of nice hey, that everyone did it. Hey, dude, we used to do the yeah. clubs together. We're still, no names, come here. We're going to do something big. Yeah. And that's kind of like what he did. They must have the best parties. Seriously. What do you think about that? Well, I suppose we should just get right into the tracks going forward now. So the first one is 10,000 Hours. 10,000 Hours. Which is featuring uh, Lindsay Starr. This is a direct reference to Malcolm Gladwell, who's cited in the uh, lyrics. Malcolm Gladwell is uh, a sociologist to some extent who proposed the idea that after 10,000 hours of doing something, you are an expert. And that's what this song is about. It's about the journey Macklemore went through to create his music. I mean, essentially, in its purest form, it's about accomplishment. It's about, you know, what it took for him to get to where he is. It's an, it's the intro track to the record. It's, it's definitely got this kind of power behind it, kind of pushing this message of... This took everything, but I'm here, and this is, you know, this is what I did, this is how I got here. I think it's very relatable for anyone who has a skill, who has a dream, who has something that they worked on really, really hard, and finally got there. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's sweet. It's not anything necessarily groundbreaking, although I like the, uh, the Gladwell reference, because that's actually a very fascinating, um, idea, that you can work on something 10,000 hours, you can become an expert at it, because, uh, a lot of people don't really assume that. A lot of people just assume, oh, it's too hard, or why not work at it? You know, you're never going to get it. You're never going to get anywhere with it, despite how old you are. Right. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, he's 29 years old at the time that he actually got this album out. And how long did it take? 15 years. 15. He had one EP. I thought it was but... five years for the LP. Yes. Wow. But since he was 14 years old, he has been, to some extent or another, a hip-hop artist. That's, that's his passion. He references it in his songs right. from 14 years old. So he's been doing this for 15 years to some extent or another, and this is his truly first album. 
it, 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 it's funny because I had a moment. He was interviewed on the Nerdist podcast, uh, Macklemore, and when he to- talked about his age, I had a moment listening to it. I went, "He's my age, and he's just finding his his footing now." In hip hop, I know. That, I, I thought that the same kinda, exact thing. That kind of gave me a moment where I was like, "Oh wow, I guess like <laughs> you know, you're never too old or too young to really do or get anything." Although I had the exact opposite reaction because I can't leave out the other main guy involved here, Ryan Lewis, because mm-hmm. this is kind of rare, and I, I, this is one of the first things I noticed that uh, the producer or the mixer is labeled right up there alongside the feature Macklemore, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. That is what they're they're listed as, and usually it's just. The rapper himself gets the stage. He's the face. And then the mixer is just in the background. The DJ, he gets a little blurb somewhere, even though he's basically providing the framework. Here, they have a very close friendship, apparently. Uh, Ryan Lewis was not only a mixer, he was uh, Ryan Lu- uh, he was Macklemore's photographer, I believe. In the and they beginning. They became very good friends after yeah. that. And, so uh, they've been in, been in it together. Yeah, they they spitball. These, uh, these creative processes, I've seen a little bit of their interview work. Yeah. They like to work together and work separately. Right. It's almost like each of these songs is is really a uniform combination of their two views on music. The Very lyrical so. size and the musical side. The point I was getting at was that uh, Ryan Lewis himself is only 25 years old. So <laughs> he's actually, considering the work that he does on this album, which I think is groundbreaking as far as, uh, as, far as hip-hop, uh, hip-hop production work is concerned... I think it's positively grabbed from 25 years old. I'm impressed. But he's, it's been his passion since 15 years old, so 10,000 hours applies to him as well. Yeah. And, well, in this case, we'll point it straight out. There's one huge element that is perpetuated throughout the entire album. Piano work. Piano work 10,000 hours has interesting piano work. It's more like an electric organ, Yeah, to be honest. It, it's... I was about to say just like general keyboard, but it has a very organy. In fact, I would even say like uh, sort of a harpsichord sound to it. Very, very tinny, right. but percussive. I kind of enjoyed that. There, it was pure piano work at certain certain parts during the lines. Some of my oh, favorite yeah, I just meant the general background. Some of my favorite lines. Um, see, I observed Escher. I love Basquiat. I watched Keith Haring. You see, I study art. The greats weren't great because at birth they could paint. The greats were great because they paint a lot. Mm. And that was just broken down piano playing in the background. The The ending uh, verses of the song also was just sweet piano work. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing about this is it is kind of a standard promotionary track when you think about it. A lot of uh, hip-hop artists have done this. Um, sort of promoting themselves through music, or a story about how, you know, telling my origins, this is how I got to where I am today. That itself is not anything original. But it's kind of original if you think about the context, because it's promotionary in the way that he did everything himself. He never got signed to a label. Well, he did, and he broke away, and we'll talk about that more later, but it's entirely his own work. Uh, Him and Ryan Lewis's uh, combo. I mean, it's it's impressive. And and I like this song because it's... There are some albums that start very in-your-face and, and very on, on the top and then work their way down. This They let you in on the ground floor. This song is just a nice, beautiful, easygoing song about how they started and where they want to go and and that they the accomplishment that they, they're, they're working towards. 
it's not until the next song that that they really kick it up to that next level and start to push this record to the next level. Yeah, because while Ten Thousand Hours is a introduction to how the album came to be, I feel like Can't Hold Us is the introduction to what the album is. And I agree with that because in terms of in terms of the entire album, especially if you put Ten Ten Thousand Hours as a standalone track, I'm not sure it would. Uh, I'm not sure it would turn any heads. Because like I said, it is still just a promotionary track for the sake of promotionary track. I think it helps um, within the hip-hop genre. I mean, you look at certain little things he throws around here, like, you know, got a 980 on my SATs, take that system, what did you expect? We've seen this before. It's like, look where I started, this is where I am. Yet the next line, generation of kids choosing love over the desk, is commenting on how kids are looking to be more creative than just looking for jobs and cubicles. You know, he does take this out of himself. In many areas here, he takes it out of himself. Uh, kind of appreciate that, all things considered. The line, a life lived for art is never a life wasted. I mean, this is not what people are being told. The man knows poetry, he knows lyrics, and he knows how to use his words. About damn time I got out of my basement, about ten... Damn time I got around the country and I hit these stages. He's finally past that point where all the hard work and sweat and tears he put into his art, and he puts sweat, tears, and blood in in the in the song. See, I appreciate that. I appreciate all this. I just don't appreciate it as much as I got on the next track in terms of yes. the greater we, Before we go to the next value. track, though, I think and also what really solidifies this, though, I feel is a good intro track, is the emotion that it's conveying, and then the end of the song, "Welcome to the Heist." Oh, and then it, it works. Cuts. It works on an album level, certainly. And then we go into "Can't Hold Us" featuring uh, Ray Dalton. So "Can't Hold Us" is the ultimate get psyched song. It's one of the better get you pumped, get you moving songs that I've heard in a long time. And there, it's, I mean, just the way, the way the music is, the piano work, the 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 lyrics. I mean, the things that he says and how he says them, Macklemore in this song. It it just. See, yeah, this is where I felt almost that this track would devalue the previous, but it doesn't. It doesn't because of the fact that this it it takes it to the next level and proves what the original track, what the first track was trying to get at. Yeah, you know that this is where this is what I've become. Yeah, and there's so much going on here. I mean, it works as a good single. Uh, As a single, this is one of those instant hit kind of tracks which yeah. is the true, drum beat the uh, you know it's the, the second single this is the one of the two singles that hit number one yeah uh, that's it <laughs> and it's you know what it's a little bit of a tired theme but it's done oh, extremely no, it well it's, it's that whole fun and i fun at the period no 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 this is no 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 no, no, no. In, that's when you not say the theme. tired theme the whole can't hold us idea yeah the whole you, no one can stop you from pursuing your dreams of course yeah. yeah. Not that yeah. itself, of course, is kind of tied, but it's 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 not really about that at this point. About at this point, I I was content to uh, to get something that was actually moving, like got me moving. Yeah, and this song definitely does it. And also, his lyric, he, like the way he's he's rhyming on this track, especially when he gets to the second verse. Such a skilled. The speed and the metaphor. It's like, before I was telling <laughs> Let's you... Let's just start with the speed. I, th- I mean, the I f- think he's incredibly talented. And, but it's the funny, because the first track is, I'm going to tell you about how I'm great. This track is, 
Here's how I'm great. That's what I was saying before. That's it. I mean, he shows off his skills just up front. I really appreciate that because... But then you're also getting Ryan Lewis's work. You're getting his drum work. You're getting his... Piano work. Yeah, The piano on the song is ridiculous. The horn work. Oh, yeah. The horn work. Oh, yeah, I didn't even get to that Midway through the song goes into some really, really, really fun horns. It was a really nice bonus because I could theoretically see this track... Being a single without the horns, right? I, I, in today's culture, I could see it becoming yeah. a single without the horns because I know that that's kind of what today's society just eats up. Um, all that you know, party going, let's, let's get our hearts. But the horns is like that. The horns, is, it's that spice that you didn't need, but it makes it just so much better. Well, that's what turns this from a good single to a great it's single. It's the, as no one would say, it's the sweet chili sauce of additions to the song. Wow. No, that that wasn't the best oh, no. part of the song, though. The was when uh, the bulk of the song's over, and you're getting towards the end, and there was that breakdown that went to really, really guttural, clapping hands beat work. Yeah. And rebuilt the entire music. That happened after the uh, after the horn interlude. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, is. Not just standard interlude. Like it was a full oh, yeah. horn quintet. Yeah, I did not expect that for the life <laughs> no. of me. Uh, arranged beautifully. Uh, not like one of those throwaway soundbite kind of things. It, like you know, a lot of hip hop out. They'll throw in like, oh, here's your random instrument, just to you know, spice it up a bit. But this was arranged. Well, I enjoyed that. The po- like the the polarizing examples, like when you were bummed about the saxophone in uh, "Be a Boy" by Robbie Williams, because it was sax in the yeah, beginning, sax it, the ending, there. and it didn't do anything. It didn't do it yeah, exactly. Where's this? That's a perfect example of the kind of throwaway thing I'm talking about. This was the, it expanded. Yeah. There's actually many moments on this album where they expand something that sounds like. From what people know about the hip hop genre, oh no, this this should only last like a few seconds. This is just. Uh, Meanwhile, there's an entire you know forty five seconds, fifty yeah. seconds of horn interweaving with the Hence previous. My fascination beat work. with twenty five year old Ryan Lewis. Uh, he wasn't going to take a back seat in this album. He really wasn't. And he shouldn't. And I mean, yeah. he's just as talented. So essentially, that's my summation of the song. It's both artists shining in their element, which I yeah. think is a great thing to do for a second track and single. And then it's followed by the first signal, single. Wait, 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 wait. I gotta talk about the rebuild because that was the real part that that caught me on this song. Was the later that rebuilding, starting from nothing, working your way up, and it was over hey, the the I lyrics. No, no, that's the whole thing. It was it was just them going na 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 na. There was no real lyrics to it. It was just humming singing style, and they were just playing with the layers, playing with the layers. Build, it was build, build, it was, it was a solo, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it felt like it could have been improvised. Who does that? Not a lot of hip-hop. Exactly. I'll tell you that. I gotta point that out. That's the thing. I It, it broke free of the looping. Like, yes. Granted, there is looping here, but it was smartly looped. I'm gonna get more into that later on the album. Uh, then the big single. So this was the first single that came out before this record even came out. Thrift Shop featuring also, Once. The other, the other number one. The other number one single. So yeah. this is, Thrift Shop featuring Once simply purely is clever fun and funny but still has a tone and a message but it's i mean it's too it knows it's cl- how clever it is it's from very, the minute he opens his yeah. mouth he knows this how clever this song is and it also is another song that features those horns so much in such a great way and that's this is where the horns are looped 
but it still works really well and it doesn't get tired or tiresome. Well, it, it works really well because of the lyrics themselves. Yeah. I mean, the focus isn't there. The focus is toward the lyrics. And that's what yeah. I always say about hip-hop tracks is that, you know, if you're going to have looping, then the lyrics need to really grab you. And I mean, I mean, not just the content themselves, but they need to be stated in a very matter-of-fact way, yeah. the kind that you can pick up on a first listen. And I mean, and just, just you can, and, and you start laughing on a first listen. Yeah, and this song, I mean, it starts with a very unique intro, and then it become it starts with the chorus, and you get this deep, deep bass voice from once, and it's it's just it pulls you right in. <laughs> and that's where I got to talk about my experience, my first experience with this was, as I said, was on Saturday Night Live. Uh, they did a live performance only about maybe a little more than a, two months ago, maybe. Yeah, and. Um, my first impression was that, oh, well, Wands has got to be the guy. He's got to be the guy behind all this, because I didn't know anything about Macklemore right. and Lewis at the time. Uh, and then, right after that, I started hearing the song, our friend Pete played it, and then you told me about it, and when I was when I discovered that Macklemore himself was the guy, it just kind of threw me. Of course. Because... And, 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 and Wants actually doesn't even have a record out yet, as far as I can find. He's only in the chorus. Yeah. It's a powerful chorus, but this is a very common theme throughout this album here, is every single featured artist just does the chorus, pretty much. Occasionally, yeah. they'll cover... They'll, they'll do sometimes like part get a, of a verse. verse. Yeah, yeah part of a verse. But um, the point is mainly to provide a, a chorus that sort of stands away from Macklemore's own prose. Oh, yeah. And, and it's obviously very apparent here. and It's just... And, and, and I know that it's more about the song and that we should you know, divorce the song from the video, but the video for this is phenomenal. So incredible. And it's so visual. You know, with not, and, and there's no special effects or f- funky graphics. It's just being in a club, being in a thrift shop, and, and, and pretty much reflecting what he's singing about. Yeah, it's well, very. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about this okay. content. I was here waiting for this. It's it, He sings about some of the. What what would we consider mainstream fashion faux pas? He he talks about his gator shoes, his onesies, his velour, his velcro shoes. I mean, like all the stuff he's talking about going to the thrift shop. The stuff that's you know kind of smells like pee. Fashion uh, faux pas. Yeah, it, everything I he's thinking like about. Fanny packs and uh, granddad Grand, hats. Yeah, grandpa style. He's. He, he, I gotta mark on that line. Okay, this is I'm one thing I know. I'm gonna take your grandpa style. I'm gonna take your grandpa style. No, seriously, can right. I have your grandpa I'm style? I'm actually going to talk about this line, uh, referencing a Soldier Boy track. Okay. I, I told you this before. Yeah. This is like that. Oh, I think it was. Um, I think it was his track Donk. Really not a fan of this track. I cannot think of like emptier music. And yes, I am. I am basically uh, calling him out on this podcast. Um, one of the lines is. Go to Thailand. Go to Thailand. It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It's really one of those, you know, throw in a line. Or yeah. It sounds like it's a dance. Well, he just made it up, so I have to accept that it is. So, hey, whatever. That Go, soldier boy. Yeah. But this is totally a riff on that whole idea of just, you know, making up your own thing on the spot right here. He throws that, take you grandpa style. Take you grandpa style. No, really. I'm going to take you grandpa style. <laughs> right, right. Your granddad's clothes. It... it it brings it right back to the content. I, I love that. I absolutely love that. And his second verse, which is really where he starts calling out, he, he he's... They he be a- all like, oh, that Gucci, that's hella tight. I'm like, yo, that's $50 for a t-shirt. And he goes on to say, I call that getting swimble- swindled and pimped. I call that getting tricked by a business. And 
six people at the club with the same shirt on. I mean, like he's like saying, you're gonna pay what these companies tell you to pay mm-hmm. for these clothes that they say are gonna get the chicks. And he actually says, you're trying to get a girl from a brand. <laughs> you're paying for these clothes to get the women and five other guys, six other guys, seven other guys at the same location is gonna be wearing same darn thing, thinking the same exact thing. He's pointing out the the flaw in our consumerism. And that's pretty, is, that's and, pretty weighted when you consider it's coming from a single. And this is the first, and but not only time, he weighs in on commercialism and consumerism. Actually, that's a, that's a large component in this album. He refers back to it a few times. And for being a fun, silly song, it still has a message. And it's, the message still isn't that silly. It's just how it's presented. That combination is, is really what makes it such a powerful track. By- it's kind of rare that I hone in on the singles. Uh, usually, usually singles tend to be pretty vacant. And this pretty was vapid. not. This is- his, his ridiculous lyrics are because of the ridiculous nature of being in style. That's that's what it really comes down to. Yeah. You you really want to say, oh, getting those gold chains, those gold teeth, those gold rims, yeah. and we'll talk about gold later, but being that ridiculous, well, you sound just like, you know, I'm going to go get me a velour tracksuit and some grandpa shoes. And there's a little bit of relatability here, because having gone to college, it was really a fun time going to the thrift shop. I went to a thrift shop in Boston it was really recently. Fun. I got... What was it? Uh, uh, five shirts and three vests for forty bucks. Like it's like dress shirts. Dress shirts. Yeah, too. dress shirts. Dress shirts and nice vests. We got like a, a massive TV, like yeah. you know, one of the old uh, old CRT, like yeah. the giant ones that go back so far. But yeah. it was for like you know twenty dollars itself, and uh, two coffee tables. One we used as a liquor cabinet to hide liquor. And also, perfect. even though we'll really get wonderful. to it later, if you think, oh well, the first, you talked about two of the singles. The next single off that album must have been vapid. He must have had one. Nope. The third single, which we'll talk in a couple tracks from now, is even more deep than this one. But, but to sum up Thrift Shop, I mean, that's what it's about. It's about thrift shops. But, it's, it's, but, but it goes deeper within that. And this is a level again, you don't see in a lot of music. Oh, yeah. This is a case where I really do forgive the looping. I mean, I liked the initial sax, and I continued to like it throughout. Despite yeah. that, it did get a little bit repetitive... That, that works really well for a track where you want the content to, to punch right through. And it pushes the lyrics yeah. forward, which is exactly what they wanted. Yeah, while still being catchy innately. And yeah. I have to point one random little thing out. I thought that the really low synth, as it starts to rise up toward the chorus, kind of matched the resonance of Wands' voice. It did, absolutely. I thought that I was agree. just kind of curious. Yeah. Intentional? I think so. I, I think oh, it was definitely <laughs> intentional. It had to be. So, the next track... Um, we take a break from the single smorgasbord to go to Thin Line featuring Buffalo Madonna. And we have a downturn here. The previous songs were... Wrong wording. Wrong word. We've no, tended okay. to... Even though we kind of have made up that term. Downturn. We usually use it... Uh, not, not downturn the as The album style. is taking a turn for the worse. That's no, not what this, we this song this, get, get, this song is darker than the previous track. Not just darker. This is a this is a really is a depressing song. This song features Buffalo Madonna. Another... From what I understand, this was the only one we couldn't figure out where he's from. I think he might be from Seattle as well, but he had didn't even have a Wikipedia page to his own. And this So that uh, means he doesn't exist. Seattle locals. What do in you this case, he actually sings along with Macklemore in several instances and right. gets his own verse. And this song is depressing, but I mean it breaks down even further to dismay and conflict and loss of love or trying to or, or trying to rescue and save love. And it's like all of that into this ball of just 
feels. Yeah, essentially. This is a ball of feels. The greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was convincing women that they looked better in their makeup. It was the same line I took down. Yeah. yeah. It's such a great line. She learned that she never should have dated a rapper. I mean, like, this is... He's putting himself out there, like... This is a messed up relationship, this first verse. And, and it's... He's point putting it on himself. Yeah, the thin line is talking about... he. It's pretty much... I'm starting to become a famous rapper. I'm starting to put my career first. It's taking me somewhere, and other things are suffering for it. it and it's not necessarily about like fault no, anywhere. That's it's what not. I kind of love about this. This is sort of just this is the this is the roll of the dice. This is the way life goes. I'm it's, so glad you brought we're in that two up. Different places because so many songs that talk about love and loss. It's pointing fingers, like Payphone, the yeah. crappy Maroon Five song, That's or right. some of those other other love songs or heartbreak songs are pointing fingers. This is not. This is, he's either, it's either self-blame or no blame. Yeah. And the, about midway, nah, a little bit earlier than midway through the song, it starts a snare drum marching beat, which which really starts to propel it. But it starts off with a, a deep heartbeat drum and almost 80s keyboard, and you liken the, the, those background tones as like a dial tone. And oh, yes. Wh- that, was, is... that was one of the first things that, that I noticed about this track. And it does kind of... I know that, I'm know i almost inclined to say this is a stretch, but it really gave me the impression he's phoning it in. <laughs> in, in the sense that this it's done. But yet, it's a slow death. It's yeah. a very, very slow death. And, and and even at the end, when all the other instruments cut out except for the synth, it, it is exactly that, that a dial-a-tone. It's this dial-a-tone as in, he's hanging on, but is there anything left? Because it's dial-a-tone yeah. silence. Exactly. That's, um... And that conveys the message of the entire song in a nice little wrap-up. But during the bridge, my favorite line in the entire album occurred. And I, this is saying something because I love the entire album's word work for the most part. Um, my favorite line is during a, the bridge and a Buffalo Madonna is singing it and he goes, haven't made love with the light still on. And all the music cuts out and he, he pleads, it's like you're hiding something from me. And every time I hear that line, I get chills. It's, it's, there's so much pain, so much loss, so much love in that line. I just, it's nearly overwhelming the way he sings it. And it's one of those moments where, and we talked about this before, silence, sometimes silence is the most powerful tool. And I want to really talk about that because, uh, just to get on the music side of things here, I was, I kind of remarked at how minimalistic this was in some sense. And that's achieved using the dial tone and a lot. Thin line has kind of a thin construction to it when you really think about it. There's not much music going on, but that that kind of age to it. There's, it's sparse. It's very spaced out. Emphasis on the lyrics. Again, taking away from uh, taking away from that would probably hurt the message in some extent. But yet, the tone, not I don't just mean the dial tone, the entire tone of the album, I'm sorry, of the track, is just very, it's very thin. It's very, like, yeah. There's no way there's an accident. You kind of have to squint to hear certain oh, yeah. things. And some of like, the tones in the background that Ryan Lewis is putting in, they're so beautiful. But you have to, you have to want to hear it. You have to focus on it. Yeah. It would border on like insubstantial if it wasn't for those lyrics. Yeah. yeah absolutely, I agree. And uh, later on in the bridge, when they go full dial tone, they also have some extremely moving parts where 
Nakamura and Madonna are singing together, and it's got the lines, she walks that thin line in and out of my bed each time I love her less. That was the line that got me. And it's just moving. I mean, you can picture that relationship falling apart. And so you've been there. Everybody's been there. Unless you're still with your first love and you are a lucky individual. <laughs> but I don't that know. Are they? <laughs> in an adamant bed each time I love her less. Yeah. It it's such a clear Which is what makes the 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 hook let's leave before we eat each other alive. So much more powerful. Yeah, that's true. It's, it just brings the entire song just as one solid heartbeat of the love dying. I mean, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and one last thing on this. Greater meaning of the album is that whole transition from who he was to who he inevitably will be. Yeah. As if he has a choice in the matter. Uh, it's just changing of the times. Passing yeah. the torch, as it were. Uh, that's that's the song's place in the yeah. album. Absolutely. And then... Then we get to track five, which is one of the the biggest feels songs, as we're so putting it. It's a song called Same Love, featuring Mary Lambert. This song... So, I've been touting this album to a lot of people since I first heard it. And at first it was for Thrift Shop, because that was the first song I had heard. But then after buying the record, I never even mentioned Thrift Shop. Because the song that... The first song to really pull me on this record... With Same Love. Same Love is an equality song from the perspective of a straight male rapper singing about what can we do and what's wrong and where can we go. And that's not even the most beautiful part of the song. There's The chorus work of the song is done by Mary Lambert, a fairly well-known spoken word artist, musician, who's a lesbian. And the whole chorus is her singing about loving... Her significant other, and it wouldn't matter the way she sings it. The words matter, but if she was singing gibberish, the way she's singing that, you'd still know exactly what she's trying to say. You feel it so powerfully. This song is about love and equality. Period. She herself had a very tough upbringing, which is why the lyrics in this entire album. I mean, that obviously, that's why she's the featured uh, star here. Uh, okay. I cry just a little bit. I tear up every single time I've heard this song. Me too. And she starts going, my love, my love, my love. She keeps me warm, and I get chills. Yeah. Even you saying it, she I She keeps get it. me warm. I mean, it's just such a pointed, and it's a woman singing about her love. And I can't change, even if I tried, even if I wanted to. There's just... So much heartfelt emotions she's pouring into her words. It was a very candid anecdote, is what I felt. Yeah. The way but, in which he describes the entire process, like his personal experience with yeah. it. And his, talking about, he talks about well, how as a kid he thought he was gay because of stereotypes. And then he runs yeah. home to his mom, who tells him he's not. You've loved girls since you were a certain age. So he just elucidates but he those, had, but, those stereotypes. And then talks about his gay uncle. And he references them, them again, his gay uncle and his boyfriend, later in the song. That's what I said. It's clouded. I mean, sorry, it, very candid, unclouded. Yeah. It, it starts off, verse one is all about growing up how he was viewing homosexuality how all the stereotypes were affecting how he was thinking about it and in verse 2 he's he talks about 
what is wrong with the world and how people perceive it today. And gay synonymous, here's the lines, gay synonymous with the lesser. It's the same hate that caused wars from religion, gender to skin color, the complexion of your pigment. The same fights that led people in, to walkouts and sit-ins. It's human rights for everybody. There is no difference. He talks about he talks what he talks about gay rights and compares it to every other fight for rights. And then verse three, this is this is what brings it together. He talks about we can't let this stand. Press play. Don't press pause. Progress. March on. When kids are walking around the hallway, plagued by the pain in their heart, a world so hateful, someone would rather die than be who they are. Oh my God! This Let's... guy is is approaching a extremely heated topic, in a poetic way, and but not yeah. not Let's talk about it. the medium. but not pulling punches either. Let's just quickly talk about the medium in which he chose to express this, because this to me, in a quality track, really harkened back to that whole. Uh, sort of Michael Jackson, uh, black, black and white, white, kind of. The 1980s, um, I almost want to say that the style of this is like a stripped-down McCartney. Paul? Yeah. That is Simple a, piano. an incredible compliment. Yeah, that's, yeah how the, that's how it starts. True. Yeah. We haven't even talked about the musical aspect like of said, this. Not just it simple starts piano, but simple, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's, yeah. it's a very straightforward kind of track. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the metaphors that he comes up with are pretty great. Uh, by the way, when I'm saying stripped down McCartney, yeah, it's not like a negative. Like I just want to weigh in on the lyrics here. The lyrics work very, very well with the simplicity when you consider that he's advocating for a very simple solution to kind of a no-brainer problem. It's like a truth that he holds to be self-evident. Be nice to others. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's that simple. And, I mean, you can't... And I've challenged people, listen to this song and don't get choked up. It's not possible if you have in your heart what you know to be right and you feel the way Macklemore feels, and you agree with his view, it is impossible to not get choked up by this song. Because it's just so simply beautiful, and it's about love. It's about equality, but it's more importantly about love. Loving everyone and, uh, equally. My favorite line here, which I thought, this shows off his, uh, his I mean, as a rapper, this is... This is the medium that he chose to express himself in, and it works really, really well because he can cram so much information into one track, and largely so as an album. The one line that got me here, man-made rewiring of a predisposition. That's just, that's a phenomenal statement. Yes. And, I mean, he also takes jabs, talking about the medium, he takes jabs at hip-hop as a genre versus homosexuality. Have you read the YouTube comments lately? Gay is dropped on the daily. Like... Yeah. Or that's gay is dropped on the daily. Like, he's taking hits. This speaks to the desensitization that he's going to get at later on a more grand scale. Uh, in this particular area, it's it's destructive. Because yeah. it, it it tells gay, gay people everywhere, yeah. that, oh, well, this is what society wants of me. This is clearly yeah. I cannot fit in. Um, it's not true everywhere. No, of but course not. clearly it's true in many places. I, I wrote down in... In, Oddly in my enough, notes, that this song has one of the most powerful choruses I've ever heard, and it's extremely simple. Yeah, extremely. Simple. It, it harkens, and I compared it to Honey Bee, just because Honey Bee is another one of those songs by Steam Power Draft where the lyrics are so simple yet so poignant and powerful, and this song has that too. But I, it, it this chokes me up even more than Honey Bee does. It's just that chorus. There's a because there's a sense of tragedy in the music. 
in the piano work in the later uh, brass section that comes into it there's just a little bit of tragedy that breaks that takes this tragedy in the whole entire track I because think. it's tragic how it's the way it's, no even the way it's yeah. saying, even even the hopefulness even the love is a tragic love because we just don't have that equality yet oh sure well, I, was, I was thinking about just the way the track was introduced the intro and the outro are very beautiful again yes. ryan lewis major props that was a like i was reeled into it because oh. of the way that he set the, it up the, same love is a same love is a is a song that on every level works perfectly. And there is nothing in this song that you could change or move to make it better. For this, all for all the emotionality I felt in Honeybee, which I still consider to be one of the greatest, most emotional songs I ever heard, this is just at at the same exact level. Plus, has that tr- a truly tragic element that. I cannot get over. Yeah. And musically, I'll say it for the genre. Again, it. I can't. I can't speak to it. That. That. It's a matter of lyrics. It's all a matter of lyrics, and that's going to be the case with many of these tracks, although not all. Um, I don't know. Just admittedly, it was a very powerful track. Moving on to track six. Um, diverging from from this song of pure love and support and awareness we move on to make the money which is uh, own, it doesn't feature anybody this is a Macklemore Ryan Lewis track and this is this is that song that Macklemore clearly wrote to remind him why he's doing what he's doing it's about focus and control and passion and, and not i mean the chorus is uh, make that money don't let that money make you Change the game. Don't let the, the game, game change you. It's all about not losing yourself in what you're losing yourself in what you're doing, but not forgetting who you are and what you stand for and where you're going. If I'd done it for the money, I'd have been an effing lawyer. Come on, he obviously he's trying to express here that he's trying to remain true and that a true artist quote won't be satisfied. So I guess that's a sacrifice. He he knows that in order to remain who you are, you gotta you have to do just that. You can't let the outside world touch you and change you. It's a, something we've heard before, less so in hip hop, though I have heard this sort of song, this sort of message in hip hop, because it's not quite that anti consumerism of, of thrift shop. This is, you know, an empowerment song. But he does it with piano work. And like fourth or fifth line, he does this like half skip breaking up that launches into a real hip hop beat with the piano work in the background, which I thoroughly loved and kind of propagated throughout the whole thing. It was nice ornamentation. And then in the hook, the, uh, the chorus, it's got violin work, real sweeping violin work. And I'm loving the layering in this song. Well, the piano riff itself... Pretty simple. Uh, again, kind of like the previous track, and probably even a little bit simpler. Um, kind of improved, I thought, by the bass and the upper register piano. Uh, but the real improvement, I think, occurs at the verses, where the verses climax, in fact. The strings. They really expand into something I thought was very stirring, very arousing. Uh, that's kind of what woke me up during this track, because otherwise, otherwise it was a, more of a take-it-or-leave-it track for me. Again, we had... 
we have followed up some pretty high points here. We've been so far raving about this album. Uh, Can't Hold Us, Thrift Shop, Thin Line, <clears throat> Same Love. Perhaps it was just the time to take a little bit of a dip. I, I just, I wasn't as into this track, meaning-wise or music-wise. But I was glad when I got to that string moment, because it kind of, it was a reminder of what I enjoyed about it. I don't know. I think that this track is just, it's a nice placement to kind of give you a little bit of a break from the message while still having a message. <laughs> Thin Line, Same Love were extremely... They're very weighted tracks. Yes. They were very, very, very heavy-hearted heavy tracks. This was a faster beat. It was bringing you a little more up. It was bringing uh, higher levels of passion into the music and getting your blood pumping again. And this, it was still, it was still, but it still had meaning. This is definitely heartfelt. Everything on this album is heartfelt. I mean, I agree with that, but this was not up in the more memorable tracks of this album for me, I don't think. I can definitely see it, that. It, it, it's, it makes it's sense. It's where I take a but, few issues, like, with my critical generalizations of the genre and whatnot. Like, the piano started to wear on me, just a little bit. I don't know, it was just a little bit too repetitive. Perhaps Perhaps it's because the lyrics, it, it didn't invite the same focus on the lyrics as uh, Same Love did. That's really what Same Love, I thought, was fantastic about it. The, the way it's mixed and the, and the content... The content is the in the spotlight. Right. The content isn't as much in the spotlight because of the way. Maybe it's your you hear the drone of the loops again. It's a general critique of the genre. A lot of hip hop tracks do this. I felt like uh, it kind of fell back into the same lump here. Well, I don't the know. his 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 second verse is very pointed at points where he talks about time to look at the man in the mirror until I can learn to love him. I mean, he's he's really started deviling into his own self-discovery of, okay, I, I let previous fame work in my local area. I let the previous money I was getting uh, hurt me because I was going into drugs and I was losing myself. And now I have to rediscover myself. You and know what he, it is? He ends with lines like, of course I want the dubs and the candy painted lack. Watch the videos and get the girls in the back. But if that's what I believe in, and that's the reason I rap, Uncle Sam is my pimp when he puts me on the track. See, that's exactly it. It's a little bit more of a complex message, which is perhaps why I got so hung up on the music, is because I don't think this is... I don't think you can pick this up in a first listen, to be honest. Some that, track, no, that was... You gotta remember, that part was some, even devoid, devoid of music. The first... They had two repetitions. The first one was really devoid of anything but a slow backbeat at the in it, behind it. Right, but again, when you consider the flow of the entire track, you get yeah, you get hung up on certain things. And then, I don't know, it just... If, if the lyrics are not so... Just think about the previous tracks. Think about, oh, no, the previous... The previous tracks are so straightforward, you cannot miss them, you'd have to be asleep. You really would. Oh, no, well, yeah, track, it's not the same. This is a little bit... This is a deeper kind of rap. Well, this, is, this is Macklemore at his finest, because he's... At least his finest in terms of message. Yeah. He goes into this whole... He gets so steeped in metaphor at that point, and yeah. the, the message that he's trying to get out, you almost feel like he's struggling at certain moments. I didn't feel that struggle, but I definitely see him becoming more meta. Uh, no, not, uh, not, not struggling to get it out, but struggling to... to convey it? Convey it, yeah. Maybe. I did get uh, most of what we're talking about on my first listen-through. The idea is that he's mulling it. 
he's mulling this over in his head. This entire album, to some extent, is something that feels like he's taken years to get to. But he has. Therefore, that's why I kind of feel it more so in this track well, than others. You gotta also remember he's he's becoming less in your face and more metaf- um, metaphoric, which how is that? We we talk about Surge. No, I'm just talking I'm gonna about make a his comparison. Make on the a, album. I'm gonna make a comparison because the next track also has a lot of metaphors in it, though they tend to be straightforward. This album is transforming from a very in your face, very uh, um, easy to comprehend lyrics and be and changing up, of becoming metaphorical, which is how we complemented when Serge Tankian was experimenting with his music. I'm gonna make that comparison, and I hold by it. He's changing up his lyrics and becoming deeper. I suppose. I mean, yes, so enthusiastic. (laughs) No, actually, there's really no question about that. I I do believe that he's. I just don't think that this has as much of a hook as previous tracks. Uh, They can't all be winners. They can't all be a hundred percent. That's my nitpick. And I I gotta point this out earlier. I I said this to you. If he if he was a hundred percent on every song the entire album through. I'd be scared of the deal he made with the devil. I think this should have been the spot where they turned up Ryan Lewis's role a little bit more. That's that's my only thing. Because we've had a lot of morality plays, if you really think about it, up to this point. Very, very heavy tracks, a deep moral, very profound. At some point, I feel like you have to introduce another element. I felt like this should have been the time that they introduced that element. I think it's a fair it was, judgment. It was, Layered as opposed to that whole truly composed track, and just I don't know, felt like it was missing something for me. I don't know. You uh, might you I might argue that it's composed in like the span of the moment, but I, I don't know. For me, I think the reason it reflects that kind of, it kind of reflects that kind of almost classic hip hop feel, and I think that's because is the, it commentary on classic hip hop? Yeah, that's it. That's pretty much it. Um, Moving on to the next track, Neon Cathedral, which even the title itself is a metaphor. This one's featuring Alan Stone, and I mean, as far as motion goes, this... This, this is the second time I got teary-eyed my first listen so to this. So this, this song is pretty much about fear, cowardice, you know, being lost, being shameful, but also prideful. It's about hiding behind a bottle, burying yourself in your alcohol, and... And, and, and giving up on a faith in God or religion and believing in the b- bottle instead. Well, again, this returns to the more straightforward metaphor. Yes. The Neon Cathedral is the bar. Yeah, right? uh, I mean, that's, that's you, you, again, you, you'd have to be sleeping in order to miss that. Straightforward metaphor is still a metaphor. Yeah. But great metaphors, they flowed. They flowed extremely well. And this and is the first was, song... He, he he turned alcoholism into a religion. That's that's the thing. Yeah, that's what the every, song is pretty much about. Every aspect. Well, the, this song also... He's moving away from religion. That's yeah. the whole it's, idea. Yeah. yeah. So it, it kind of... It throws a lot of that in. Yeah. And it had, it had very fast lyrics with depressing, slow guitar work. And I felt like they complemented each other very, very well. No, actually, I uh, I agree with that. I think that there was more of a marriage here between like the pitch and articulation of the rapping and the music. Like when it got more intense, he got more intense. Mm-hmm. That's something I noticed here. Yeah, and he's got. I love some of the lines. Bush Mills for a band aid, the sweet taste of blood, 
Then I might actually feel something if I don't cover it up. Come on. Yeah. No. Uh, he's 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 bald mm. face. And then read the chorus. Underneath this fragile frame lives a battle between pride and shame, but I've misplaced that sense of fright. These crown of thorns is perched atop my spine. But listen closely as I testify, dependency has been a thief at night. So, metaphor and in-your-face explanation of emotion, all in the chorus. I mean, fear, pride, shame, it's all out there in the chorus. And I bet some people had to look up the word dependency. Oh, come on. That's your critique, really? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm, I mean... Who would who would phrase it that way? Dependency has been a thief at night. Thief at night. I mean, that's that's that's, that's a great metaphor, and really carries the song. Like that was the thing that really got me. Like when when he repeats "thief at night, thief at night" later in the later on in the song, like that's what really got me. It's just like you know that he's. It's almost like he's losing everything because he's he's diving so deep into the bottle. And this is where See, you look at the lyrics oh. here. And it does seem like it is kind of the pit of the album, to some extent. But musically, I didn't feel it. I don't know. I, like, I, I did feel more of a marriage here, but it, it, didn't, it didn't feel like a pit of the album. If you, like, just this, the sound of it itself did not feel like it was at the bottom. I, I refute that. No, I, I no, no, no. I agree with Steve, but only because this music wasn't supposed to feel like a pit. The music was supposed to feel like a barroom... It was supposed to feel like... I didn't get that impression, necessarily. I, I, let me explain. So, remember when I was saying when we were listening to it that it felt like a kind of old-school R&B track? In my head, I could picture the barroom scene. The sole R&B singer singing in a, into a microphone behind this drunken mess drinking at the bar alone. Like, I got that imagery from the music and from the lyrics. Yeah, and, I can almost see that. And All that's right. why I don't feel like it's a pit, because it's not supposed to feel like... It's not supposed to look like a pit. It's supposed to... It's supposed to look like a prison that has no bars. Alright, maybe I'll buy that. Maybe I'll recant that claim. I want to go into something else because the word dependency. This word struck me as a great way to explain the album as a whole. It, it became a theme that I saw in a lot of the future songs of how he's commenting on people's dependency on outside forces to define themselves. That's how I, I, I really view it. We, He's comments on how we look to so many other places and people and things and society to define us instead of just looking to our who we are to define ourselves. Hmm. We lose our individual individualism with the consumerism. We look at others who put shame on us for being different. We search and find things that make us feel better because society said to make us feel better. Even though we are we are stronger than who we are. Like, that I saw to be a running theme, and this song cements it for me. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. Sure. Sure. <laughs> John, hey, John, you didn't say that, that slowly, so I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> um, let's, let's move on to the next track. The only true instrumental track on the record. This oh. is it, bomb bomb or boom boom? B o m b o m, bomb bomb, bomb bomb. Like bomb bomb. So this me. is bomb bomb, featuring the teaching. So this is a, an all instrumental track, and it 
I mean, it's just this beautiful journey track. I mean, it starts off with just this kind of pure raw pleasure and joy. Piano work. And and then it goes into this. I mean, there's struggle you find la- you hear later on, and then, I mean, it's just it, it's a journey track. May I go? Yes. Yeah. This okay. Is, this is all Steve. All right. Look, one of the reasons I've been just a little bit critical uh, over the course of the last three tracks, even though I generally enjoy them, is only because <laughs> the general sound of the album had sort of grown a little bit stagnant, like from the early points of the album when I was very impressed I was very impressed by the thing the the way they were sort of stretching and contorting the hip hop genre at some point in there it felt like that was being lost a little bit it was all message and very little of you know Ryan Lewis's uh I feel like he wasn't getting the chance to expand this point radically changes the tone of the album we move away from the morality plays and towards something a little bit more vague and individualistic as as I see it at least that's, that's what I like to see in music in general. It was a full story in music. I can't say what that story is yet, but I'll tell you the arc. Fill it in for yourself. The intro, to some extent, the whole entire piece, felt like something out of a Steve Reich catalog. Anybody know Steve Reich? Yeah. Music for 18 musicians, desert music, that whole 70s minimalism kind of thing. <laughs> there was distinct minimalism here in that it uses a very fluid, repetitive figurations, never straying far beyond the tonal center. Main theme... Generally based around E major, but it started off and strayed back to the relative minor of C sharp. But it didn't just start off on regular C sharp. In some ways, I think the reason the exposition actually felt so original to me is because I thought at first that it was like a sus2, sus4, but I'm pretty sure it was an 11th chord. Arranged very closely, dense, tight. You feel, you feel kind of, kind of like you're in a box, sort of. I love that sensation of just... The awkwardness, the ambiguity that those 11, those upper extensions can actually provide. And then, it, it gorgeously resolves to the relative major E. But then after that, it starts to become very punctuated, tribal, like percussion-based. It's an especially distinctive rhythm, kind of carries parts of the piece, and sort of moves it through its varying sections. Sort of reminded me of Stomp a little bit. Did anyone get that vibe? The oh, way yeah. in which it's like it uses the full palette of uh, oh, yeah. pitches and You're percussions. You're talking about stomp the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. You hear like I it totally almost sounds like that. it's a garbage well, can sort well, of. Well, yeah, because Trump, a stomp rather, was tribal. <laughs> it was tribal, even though they're using yeah. modern items to make the noises. It was a very tribal. And show. And I love that because it takes you wet. You know, everyone knows the the standard uh, pieces that make up a, a typical drum kit. Yeah. So in some ways, it's not going to grab you. To, it's not going to take you to the same places where. I, every I've said this before. Every single thing in the world has its own little timbre. Yeah. And Stomp certainly made use of that. Oh and yeah. This track makes use of that. Yeah. You know, whether it's synth or not, who knows? But doesn't matter. Ryan Lewis is thinking outside the box in this case. Uh. <coughs> then. I don't know. That was just the A section. Anyone <laughs> uh, want to comment it's... before I get to the B? It reinvents itself. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, the greatest it, thing is that there's there's piano and horns, and then after the A section, <coughs> they me. flip, and the horn starts playing the piano bit, and the piano takes off in a completely different direction altogether. Well, actually, I noticed that the uh, piano was sort of trading a little bit with uh, the percussion. It was like okay. they were trading spotlights. Okay. So, yeah, it was definitely yeah. different. It was swapping uh, of uh, rhythm? Um... Just spotlights. Just, Just spotlights. like what the okay. focus was. Okay. But then when the horns come in, that's the real... That 
it takes the same theme that the piano was stating earlier, and then the horns. It, it, that's just like it's a party at that point. It's a it's a horn oh, yeah. frenzy. And li- and listening to this, I made a comment saying that, like, I really want to hear Ryan Lewis do a score because this song within its its borders was a little score. It was a mini score because he goes back to previous themes from earlier in the song. Yeah, which is exactly what we defined in a, in a working and a good score. And then he even complimented with uh, some cello, trumpets, sleigh bells. <laughs> I think I did hear that. Yeah, and sleigh bells that I thoroughly loved. Yeah, they weren't. Oh yeah, you're referencing here. the the hymn. Tra- no, well, there was. A lot of uh, I'm referencing a bunch of times we talked about bell work and how. Yeah, they you don't like bells. Part. What's with you and bells? I feel that since they've been an instrument that's been around forever, they should be used properly. Oh, pro- proper. I'm just proper. using that word. There's that word no. again. I'm using that word to just piss you off. No, I think I, they I should be used very sparingly. 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 Same thing. I mean, if they're sparring and they're like, you know, Fighting. in a battle yes. and whatnot. Yes. Anyway. Slay uh, Battle Dragon Ball Z. Even with the whole, like, uh, frenzy horn work stuff. I still thought that it was kind of a minimalist track. Even at that point, I still felt that there was... It was just a simple statement. It never strays beyond the tonal center. I, I, I love that. Just doing as, mu- as much as you can within one chord. Um, essentially, this kind of shattered my biases against uh, sort of what you can achieve with simple sound bites, clips, and layering. This really is composition through sound bites, clips, and layering. That's yeah. what I'd love to see. And... Um, yeah, that's what separates this track from the previous tracks for me, musically. Yeah, and it was also the perfect moment to have an interlude and a break, and it perfectly breaks the album. Because we were getting real heavy. We were getting really heavy, and this re-energized me and, so much. And it allowed us to take a step back. Because yeah. I was As getting... As I said, morality plays. That's what we were getting in the previous getting, several tracks. Yeah, and I was getting yeah. way too emotionally involved in these songs. Yeah. And I couldn't really take it. I needed something to break it up. And this actually was perfect for that. It was really the perfect placement and the best, the best intermission ever I've ever listened to. It really was. Well, because it's like a five-minute track and you're never bored. This track is engaging the entire time, even though it's this minimalist Well, that's just that usually intermissions aren't meant to be engaging. This was. (laughs) Yeah. It was a break, but not a not. It was a break, but not a breakaway. As simple as it was, it took vision, in yeah, my opinion. Absolutely. And then we move on to White Walls. Is the next track featuring Schoolboy Q and Hollis? Hollis is a female singer doing the uh, what's it called? The chorus, and Schoolboy Q uh, switches off with Macklemore on the verses. So this song was, upon initial listen. A cruising song, a driving around song, something to thump a bass to, and with the windows down. Musically, was a really good cruising song, because the instruments had a great backbeat. You did not have to pay a lot of attention to, but would get you pumped and moving along. Um, on the flip side, this was really about Cadillacs. At face value, it was really no. It was sorry, really too funny. in your face about Cadillacs. Yep. Face value, showing us what Cadillacs mean to society, and and, and you know, I got how deep that is. I gotta talk about it. Schoolboy Q. Let's take a moment. No, Schoolboy Q and Macklemore love Cadillacs. They love them. These both really of them. No. Both of them have Cadillacs. I mean, this is no. their car. 
Like some people have Mustangs, some people have Ferraris. This is their car. Um, so that's that's it's what more, they're singing about. It mostly starts moment. out as a love li- love letter to Cadillacs. But it's a great. I admit it's lighthearted. I'm gonna jump in here. I admit that it's lighthearted, and that's kind of nice, perpetuating the tone uh, that started in the previous track. Here we have our lighthearted intermission. <clears throat> well, not completely lighthearted, but in any case. I, you can't dive right back into the morality plays right after that. You need to work your way up. I think that arc-wise, it was a good spot. But man, I don't know. I just I thought this was a step back. I know um, it's a rap album and that the previous track was more of an exception, not the rule, but I wanted something a little bit more transitionary. This could have been on another rap album. Well, you also got to look at it. It's, it's still got depth and follows the moral commentary of this album. And this is where you're going to have to prove that to me, face value. Well, think about Cadillacs themselves. They were, and to some extent are, still a status symbol in the music industry. If you're going to watch an episode of Cribs and see, you know, a rap star, they're going to have a Cadillac in their driveway. It's that. It's still that aspect. So that's what they're singing about. They're singing about how they kind of hit it. They've kind of hit that part. And but isn't that a it, little bit contradictory when you think that many other cases they were sort of making fun of the status symbols? Well, that's part one. That's verse one. Verse two, they're talking about how it is different nowadays. They're surrounded by, you know, Honda Civics and these green cars, but they're getting only a couple of miles to the gallon. They are still keeping that different from the rest of society. They are still standing out as unique. And it really takes a turn in the third verse where they talk about the old status symbol and how it really, if equated to society, was bad. There was drugs here. There's stealing. There's coke. There's belittling of women. It's a satire about what... What are you reading right now? The third verse. I just... uh... Read it straight up to me. Backwoods and dope. White hose in the back seat snorting coke. She doing line after line like she's writing rhymes. I had uh, I had it hella my love trying to blow her mind. There's a lot. Okay, you this see where it's going. I was talking going. to you earlier about. To sum it, yes, I see where it's going. But, and believe me, I, I accept that this could be... My critique here would be totally inconsistent <clears throat> with a lot of other things that he's said on this album. So it wouldn't make sense for that to be the case. But I'm just taking it at face value myself, and I don't see I, I don't see the depth here in the same way. I can't see him singing seriously about doing coke. Think ser- can you seriously sing? What him? if the track was 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 by itself? What if you did what if you didn't know any of his other work? I would say this is even too over the top. With some of the imagery here, I wouldn't even but see... But a lot of rap is really over the top. No, some of this is really, really over the top. A lot of metaphors in, in, in hip-hop in general tend to be very exaggerated. Well, it, not even metaphors, just just anecdotes about what they're doing, where they are, who they're with in general. I feel like this is very consistent with all of that. I can't take it. Maybe the single third verse, the third verse just by itself, but with the other two and 
the the more straightforward, wholesome ish, ish nature of it. I I can't take it as anything less than a satire. I mean, I just feel like that the lyrics take such a, a harsher turn in the third verse, and they're just so much more aggressive than everything else. Well, I'm gonna say this. I am playing devil's advocate. To be honest, I really do think that this is a satire. But I'm being a little bit picky here because I think that... I think Macklemore is achieving something really, really great as a whole on this album. I just kind of wish he, he'd, he'd drop a clue in, maybe for the layman. Because <laughs> in, in this track, it goes many, many, many lines, many verses, many, many descriptions about the routine involved here that don't strike me as anything satirical. As a whole, I, I'm, I'm forced to take it as such, but I don't know. In, will, in the interim, it strikes me as a little bit vacant. I will say that this is the low point of the entire album. I will agree with you on that. All right. But there's got to be a low point. Every single track, other than this, almost, almost every track, has had something that alludes to a greater point, and this just, it doesn't make those illusions necessarily. It's just kind of diving to the bottom. So this is like the first bad song or just not quite good song it's mm. not a bad song no i still enjoy it it's not it's not a bad song and i like the beat i think a lot more than i don't though. think it's as groundbreaking Probably. as some of the other tracks but it's not a bad song i'm not looking for groundbreaking in every single track that's exactly. not what this, that's not what this is about this is just about um inconsistency i think with his other with his other stuff that that's all it is it seems more like a courtesy uh, a courtesy you know this is my shit kind of track. I don't know. I, I didn't think it was needed considering the uh, the greater meaning of the album. I guess, but when it comes down to this, this album is about him. He He's put a personal twist on everything because even the song Same Love, which is about equality, and he, uh, gay rights especially, and he himself is not gay, he still made part of it about him just so he could relate. And I think that this song is just a self-indulgent this is me, this is something I love, here. It was, yes, it's, it ends up being satire, but I think it still has a place because White Walls is just about a thing that he likes. That's it. It doesn't have to be more than that. And then what the thing that he likes, the greater meaning in some other places of where it went and how it fails. Eh. I, okay, I'll agree to disagree. No, That's no. Fair. I, I'm, I agree with the low point, but I see more depth here. Yeah. I don't think it's that out of place in the album, but I definitely will agree it's not one of the better... It's not the. It's I think not that I'm just, as good as the other tracks. Reading, reading single, through each and every line here, it's just... If it's were used as a single, it would get everybody the wrong impression. Yeah, I can see that. Of course. It's not... It's definitely not as obvious uh, um, message-wise. But... There's a lot of other rap and great, great rappers out there who have done similar types of uh, tracks. I'm being completely and, serious about it. That's the thing. Yeah. Uh... So, considering he didn't drop in enough uh, else, you know, I, I just, whatever, face value. Uh, that's how I have to take the track, unfortunately. But, fortunately, we have the next track. Okay. Jimmy, Jimmy Iovine. Iovine. So, this is featuring Absol. Levine? Couldn't, and this is a... St- that's not his name. <laughs> this is a storytelling track. It, it, it's frantic in emotion, but it's it's a storytelling track. It's this, dangerous. It's got real dangerous undertones this, in the in just the music, let alone the lyrics. This song is simply put the story of how Macklemore almost got a record deal and then decided not to take it. 
And he literally... The title track is the guy who he's singing about. And even directly quotes him at points. And it's a ballsy move. But I couldn't imagine any other way. Yeah. I think it's a, a brilliant approach. Very ballsy. And in fact, this is a track where I completely overlooked the music... It, it, the music was unnecessary. This could yeah. have been a poem in itself, but the music, it, it provides one thing, and that's frantic. Yeah. It's a frantic song about a frantic uh, heist that he's essentially pulling. He's trying to take his contract back. Yeah. I, 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 no, he's trying to steal his, He's trying to steal yeah, a steal contract. Yeah, steal the contract. So, yeah. he so wants... you get a little bit of badassery here, which uh, <laughs> kind and... of elevates his uh, street cred. He's, he's talking about taking him hostage, and he gets waved right in, and he can't quite understand it. It's weird. That's the whole thing. The first verse is him getting psyched up and getting into the office, and he's got paint cans with guns in them, and he's got a plan laid out, and he knows exactly where he's going and where he's doing, and then he just gets waved right in. And he gets to this place, and it's not... The promised land he was hoping for. I adored that line. The whole, um, it, it feels, feels like a funeral line. <laughs> you know, it that... feels like someone died. It's got the vibe of a funeral. There's numbers on a chalkboard, CDs, box, and a cardboard. Artists that flopped, that yeah. got dropped, and it's never like surprise, got surprise. to be sophomores. That's the music industry. It's not the place of magic that everyone hopes it to be. And I mean, then later on in the song, he creates a, a dialogue doing both sides of the conversation... As himself and as this record producer. And I mean, the, the basic dialogue is, Hey, you, buddy, you're great. You're awesome. You're sweet. <laughs> oh, who, who are you? What's your name? It's Tagward, yeah. Tagward, 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 Tagward. And then, oh, wait. I'm, no, I'm sorry. I've had a long day. What's your name? Oh, that's right. It's you. It's you with that song. That song that is great. I mean, that song is great. And then he breaks yeah, down... It's pandering is what And it then is. he breaks down the financial fallouts with... Uh, music, the music industry in general, and how little money. I mean, it breaks it down to the point where him and Macklemore would only have seven percent to split, and then the record producer says, "But that's not bad. I've that's, seen worse. It's not just bad. That's great. I've seen worse. I mean, it's like, I just think it's it's brilliant how he's pretty much kicking the record industry in its ass and saying, "Yeah, it's not all it's cracked up to be." And the that's end the joke. And the end that drops out the entire music. I replied, "I appreciate the offer." Thought this is what I wanted. Rather be a starving artist than succeed in getting fucked. There you and are. Seriously. It but just ends he, on that. There's no outro, there's no, no anything. That thin. is the last note of the song. And, and I, a more pointed ending I cannot imagine. Calling this guy out is just. First of all, it's ballsy because he's unlabeled, and if something like this hurts him, he could get thrown out of so many circles. Which would make him famous in regular, you know, society. But it pays off because clearly he's he's a big success right now. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, and who this could, who this could hold is, a grudge in this regard? And people have held grudges. That's the whole thing. There are several larger. And he's showing them. There's several <laughs> larger media like reviews and outlets that won't give him the time of day. Won't review his album, won't comment on him, won't talk about how he's actually been a box office because, success because, because of stuff like this. Because of the industry overlords that control those sources. And I'm not going to say who because he actually says who in a few of his songs, which I'm not going to point out. But 
that that is pure gumption. That is pure. This is where he's the most honest in this album. This is where he's uh, most honest about himself. This is where he actually puts it. This out is literally there. just a story about himself. It and starts in fantasy and ends in fiction. To be so honest about yourself is a, a truly a courageous act. I, I love it. I, I love agree. what it does. Whether, the, whether this was the real dialogue or not, who knows? But it, it, it's. It's a very telling and concise dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, just that line, you know, yeah, th- 360 degrees. You know, we're in it together. That whole idea that that's what the record companies were telling you. Yeah. That's what everyone is telling you, just to sort of rope you in to the whole scheme that they've been pulling for years and years and years. Yeah, absolutely. Now we get, after um, after track 10, we get into 11 wings, or wing dollar sign. And this song is... It, we're back to that commercialism and and consumerism message. It's it, precisely the emotion the song is going for is innocence and then realization. Going from this this pure of mind and heart, wanting Air Jordans. It's it's about Air Jordans and wanting these shoes that can make him fly. And, and then th- the song ends, and we'll get into the space between, but it ends with him realizing they're just a pair of shoes. This is starts with a very heartfelt childhood vibe. Uh, once again, reintroducing the marching build. Um, and he, he, when, he, when he whispers, Mama, this air bubble right here, it's going to make me fly. You can hear that. Oh, I saw it. Michael Jordan wears them. This, this will be magic. It's that childhood innocence that, you know, captures, that sees magic still in the world. And it, 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 it progresses, it progresses and it talks about how cool he is until he realizes and finds out that his friend's brother got killed for a set of these shoes. This is where I gotta interject. This whole Air Jordans craze, I don't get it. I, and I, 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 that's I, a shame. I, I never will because Air Jordans to me are absolutely meaningless. They really You're, are no, a pair no. of shoes and I never grew up in an environment like him and where they were a status symbol. I did. I did. And if you were a fan I of under- basketball, that's where it I was. I understand this. I mean, I know so- I do know some people. I did know, but I didn't get it at the time. And whether you don't get it or not, you you have to at least get what he's saying. Oh, of course I do. Yeah. Now that you know the reference point. It's not that I don't get the point. song. Right. I just... Oh, you don't get the craze. I don't get the craze. I, I, I never will. Specifically it's, for Air It's Jordans. unfortunate that, that he had to grow up uh, in an yeah. environment where this was such a... Uh, but, I mean, it's it's a fad it's like any other. But it's a fad like you any would, other. What if he had changed it to iPhone? Look at it that way. I mean, they are the new equivalent status symbol if I ever heard one. The newest smartphone. Smartphones in general. No, I can understand that to a certain extent. Or even, a Gucci even like, bag or something like that. Come on, think about it. I mean, what he's... When I was little, actually, I felt like it was cable television. <laughs> Which is kind of ridiculous. I had broadcasting for an absurd amount of time. But while he's focusing on the Air Jordans, that for him was a specific item that you can point at. And I can point at that that was a status symbol. Yeah. Think of all the items in our society that are status symbols. And it comes down to that. And in many ways, this, this, this track is kind of married to thrift shop in some sense. Yes, it's, absolutely. It's sort of telling the opposite side of the equation. Uh, thrift shop is is a celebration of everything that isn't a status symbol. And, yeah. and that's kind of a wonderful statement to make, which I don't think is stated often enough. 
and this this is a deep critique critique of things that are um and to be honest i don't know it's uh Again, this is one of the tracks I don't think I really needed. Uh, I didn't need complex music. It it did change up a bit though. It had. I great, kind of enjoyed that. I think it had the best violin work on the album, uh, in a oh, lyrical yeah. song. Oh yeah, the string section was beautiful. Very strong. It was like layered with a distant distant vocal uh, in the background, which with it's kind of a unique effect. It was also very good with the child chorus, and we talked about this oh, pre podcast. Yeah. Child chorus is hard to do right. It's, it's uh, hard. It's, it can be tropey. It can be kind of throwaway if you yeah. if you don't really understand how you're doing it. But in this, it definitely fit the vibe of the song. Oh, yeah. and the message. Oh yeah, especially it's, it's since he was child. talking about this is a childhood subject. I mean, yeah. only this is the kind of thing that that really eats you up inside when you are young. Yeah. Um, because you don't know the world, you don't know how meaningless it is until you're older. You know what lines actually speak to that perfectly? Look at me. Look at me. I'm a cool kid. I'm an individual, yeah, but I'm a part of a movement. And my movement told me to be a consumer, and I consumed it. They told me just to do it. I listened to what that swoosh said. Directly referencing yeah. Nike. Yeah. And it. Dire- and he mentions Nike by name later I in the song. I consumed it. Yeah. It's just such a powerful you, this message. this album, such an attack against society. Everything. <laughs> Everything. He's, he's getting equal opportunity when it comes to what he views as society wrong. He's not focusing on anything too much. Yeah. This is the benefit of not being under a label, because I guarantee you if he was under a label, he would have so many people right and left telling you, yeah, you might want to turn that down a little yeah. bit. You might want to not uh, go all out on that particular subject. Why but- don't you change this line from this to this? A little more PC. You know, all that stuff. He is not... Uh, beholden to. This album is an advertisement for the freedom of creativity. Yeah. Pretty much, in a nutshell. Because he had no boundaries. Can we call it a de-advertisement? <laughs> that's an interesting way to put it. I mean, that's he speaks against everything that... And I agree with, with well more than the majority of this. Almost 100% I agree with what, what the message is he's, he's putting out here. Alright, moving on to the next track, we have A Wake, featuring <laughs> Evan Roman. I, I, th- this was another, this was a very m- metaphor-oriented uh, song. This was another song, I love the message. And this song, I called it Truth Spew, because essentially that's what he's doing this whole song. He's stating the obvious because it needs stating. Because even though it's obvious to us, it's not obvious to everyone. We forget the latex, become Planned Parenthood patients, synthetic heroin, the new bass head. Wow. I was most into these lyrics, I think, than a lot of other tracks. Uh, perhaps because I I related to it a little bit more. Um, you know, it's all about who you are, where yeah. you grow up in. Um, <laughs> it, it, I was almost ready to say that I was blasé about the music until that, that first line dropped, and again, one of those cases don't need the music. Don't need, don't need a fluid composition track necessarily. I got that first line. They say thirty is the new twenty, and twenty is the new thirty. Should I guess? Makes sense, cause fifteen-year-olds seem twenty, and twenty-five-year-olds seem ten. Yeah, I. It's just oh. great. That, that's perfect. And it's, it's funny, I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this very same thing earlier in the week before listening to this track, that, uh, you know, they say 30 is the new 20. Um, 
which in many ways is such a bad thing to tell. Yeah. That's, that's a horrible thing to tell. It basically generation. means that 20 can be as immature as 15, yeah. 14, 12. And no, it's not to grow up. And it's telling, it's saying, it's don't saying grow that up, pretty much. like me coming up on 30, I'm still not an adult yeah. yet. You know, I'm still too I re- young. I realized that to some extent it was, it was, it had a good foundation. It had a good background. The idea behind the, uh, behind that preach. It was, it was very much so, uh, take your time with things. You can still achieve your dreams even when you get older. But at the same time, that's stagnation. Yeah. That's, uh, that's enabling you. That's uh, kind of a horrible message in some sense. At some point, you do need the good old-fashioned man up, grow up, you know, yeah. all that other stuff. Um, and then at the same exact time, he's criticizing youth for wanting to grow up too fast. Yeah. That's... That, he's taking in all that into account. You know, just criticizing the, uh, the mantras that were fed constantly. Yeah. Absolutely. And he further goes in to say things like, they say it's so refreshing to hear somebody on records. No guns, no drugs, no sex, just truth. And a little bit later, saying that it's poetry so well-spoken... Stop it. He's upset. He's upset that he's that being put on a pedestal for not, you know, for, for demonizing drugs and sex and for not, you know, making it a forefront and a positive image. That's the opposite of what he wants. He wants the people who are actually making drugs popular, guns popular, to get into trouble. Yeah. We're with, with now every month there's a new Rodney on YouTube. It's just something our generation is used to. And he's right. He's talking about desensitization. We are not used to. And there's a lot of people, a lot of kids that don't even realize, well, you're watching a snuff film. That's bad. Yeah. Someone dying is not something that should be posted on YouTube and get 10,000 yeah, 100,000 hits. That is not a good message. No, it's and not. And this has happened. Well, you know, it's funny that this should uh, follow our last week discussion about globalization and about all information being available simultaneously. You know, we've had many podcasts where we, we say, oh, no, don't censor anything. But to some extent, this is the opposite side of the equation. This is the side that you have to watch, is that when yeah. you do expose everything, you are kind of desensitizing the public. And that in itself can be a form of enabling, a form of just uh, saying, hey, look, this is society. This is just, just grow up, do your thing. You know, nothing has to be done to some extent. It's uh, not a great message. Yeah. Well, he's, he, he, he's explaining how we ignore this problem. We ignore these children acting like they think adults should and these adults acting like children. And... He, he goes further to say we should stop ignoring it. We should approach this as a society. Do you see now, though, why I was saying a little bit earlier that I can see him mulling the, the problem over in his head? And that's what I kind of enjoy about this. It's not just one message that he's preaching. Oh, yeah. Within the span of this song, he is kind of conflicted between two modes of action. Because, again, just like I said earlier, you know, oh, yeah, the censorship or the ramifications that come of censorship. Just listen to this line here. Don't want to be that white dude, million man marching, uh, fighting for our freedom that my people stole. Don't want to make all my white fans uncomfortable. See the duality here? Yeah. There's two thoughts going on that completely contradict each other, but both are equally valid. I love that he addresses the gray areas. Absolutely. Because that's that's not something that's done often. Yeah. This is... people, People tend to... 
talking black or white. Yeah, all simply. The time. This is an issue you shouldn't get involved in. Don't even tweet. Yeah. That's that's the mulling right yeah. there. A thousand likes on Facebook will save this child from cancer. That's just stupid. It's stuff like that, where people think they're helping society by doing nothing. At all, really. Yeah. So we party just like it's 1999. <laughs> Celebrate the ignorance. Well, these kids keep dying. 1999. Uh, it's funny he chose that particular year. Because there really was, you know, that late 90s craze of Brave New World, uh, Better Tomorrow kind of idea. The internet having just been new. Yeah. You couldn't have predicted all the problems that would occur over the next decade. Yeah. It was, uh, it, in retrospect, it's very similar to 1969, which was sort of the culmination of the hippie movement and the social movements of that time and kind of went downhill after that. That was the high point. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, everything, sure, everything will be fine if we just uh, live together in communes, which I know is the extreme example, but, of course, there's problems with everything. Again, gray areas. Yeah. Yeah. And this song definitely tackles those gray areas and also doesn't, but it, it brings them to light at least. Yeah. Um... We, our next track we get is uh, track 13, simply titled Gold, featuring 84 Fly. So this song is pretty much the epitome and definition of gaudy. Yeah, this explains gaudy. That's an excellent way of putting it. I like that. It's a song that essentially talks about gold so much that it's... It, and it's funny, we didn't realize it until we talked it through... It's talking about gold and so much in this 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 hip hop obsession with gold and riches and fame. It depresses the value of the word gold. It devalues gold by talking about gold so much. We're getting so much repetition over and over and over again because they repeat the word a lot. And it's a ditch sen- Jesus in gold I trust. I mean, it's so much explanation of how we put value on something that when you get right down to it has no value. And this song also brought me back to a discussion we had a long time ago with Muse about certain songs that are just so visceral, you can picture a video. And we described, listening to the song, what we thought the video might look like. And it's very reasonable. that effect, admittedly, although not every single video out there is... I guess is required. No, of course. Know? But I yes, guess. if you if it makes you if it makes you visualize anything that it succeeded in some way, uh, as, as a full track, this was a little bit on the lower end of of the album for me, only because I got it in the first line. You know, maybe after all right, you you phone it in for about a for about a stanza or so, and then I've got it. I'm not sure that that it needed to be on on a on a full song scale because it has been done this has been said it's almost like i've got the point at this at this stage in the game about gold being devalued right yeah there's been many other tracks on the same exact subject the idea of uh status symbols being devalued a lot of things being devalued anything that society impresses upon you should be devalued this particular one was i don't know he just went back to the the standard example it, it just didn't strike me in the same way I love this because I found the lyrics to be extremely clever and fast-paced, and I love the flow of his voice in this song. I really enjoyed it for the vocal aspect. It was, um, it did actually have a good cadence to it, I'll admit that. And the song kind of had that Summer Jam kind of vibe, you know, this kind of... And it even has, like, at the end of the song, you hear kind of like a, a... 
beach ocean kind of sound. And it's got lines like, when everything is gold, who cares about the carrots? Pass the space, need a gold shower on pedestrians. Excuse me, that's my bad. That's my eagle, and he shouldn't have. You know, just, it kind of gets I like. I enjoyed it. It was, this just, is comedic. It was just familiar. I, I yeah. enjoyed it's like the last, comedy. It's like last week with him. You know, yeah. Yeah, not bad tracks, but familiar. Right. That really, kind of thing. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It was not the high point. Yeah. In but some way, I really enjoyed it. It had a very lighthearted air to it, actually. Yes, it yeah. did. Yeah. Which That's, I think further explains expands upon the theme on, of the song. And, and honestly, I think it was perfectly placed to be this kind of lighthearted because the next song is anything but. Next song. Starting yeah. over featuring Ben Bridewell, this song is the epitome of disappointment and guilt in a storytelling setting. It's Macklemore singing about... Um, failing to keep sobriety and being ashamed to admit it. This is the third song that teared me up on a first listen. Me too. The third and final track. This was... It it first expresses uh, loss and fear. Fear of, of what he did and how it's going to affect everybody else. And he he's worried about what people are going to say, how they're going to view him. Is the good work he's done going to go away? Because he, he, he goes on to explain, and this is a big part of him, he has actually helped people. People have gone up to him and shaken his hand because they were inspired by his music. And he's afraid they're going to leave him because he did fail. Oh. Because he is human. <laughs> It's just, it's very deep and very powerful. I mean, read the second verse where he... It's a story of meeting a fan. Uh, yeah, it, it's... The lines where he, he's talking about how he's in a meeting and he's in the back of the meeting because he doesn't want to be there. It's only been a couple days since he last had a drink. But before I can make it, somebody stops me and says, Are you Macklemore? Maybe this isn't the place of time. I just wanted to say that if it wasn't for other side, I wouldn't have made it. She tells me she has nine months and she's so grateful. Tears in her eyes, looks like she's gonna cry. Fuck. I barely got 48 hours treated like I'm some wise monk. He's devastated that he really is living a lie. And he goes on to say, if I can be example of getting sober, then I can be example of starting over. And I mean, he put, even though it's such a depressing song, or, or just like this song embodied in disappointment and guilt, it still ends with, there's still a point. I can still do something. I can represent something else. If I can be a symbol for moving on, I can also be a symbol for starting over. It's that reluctant hero yes. vibe a little bit. Exactly. I, and it's got the saddest, with, with all the heartfelt that um, Same Love had, this had the saddest tone in the course. We fall so hard, now we gotta get back what we lost. I thought you'd go, but you were with me all along. And the way it's just, it breaks my heart. You know, there's an interesting thing that I experienced on this album at this point, is that almost the tone, the sad tone that is present in so many of these tracks, I feel it could be put to the same exact uh, piano riff that I called the McCartney piano riff back in um, uh, the Equality track, back in, uh, what was that? Same Love. Same Love. I feel like I hear that over and over and over again. Like, that left some kind of impression on me, which to some extent does kind of devalue some of the uh, 
some of the music later here. Perhaps it's just because that was... Uh, it, this may have just been my experience with it. It could just be taste. But, um... You know, I'm getting the message later here. It's just the music wasn't as prevalent. Yeah. It's like uh, Ryan Lewis and Macklemore playing a tug-of-war here. Eh, just my experience. It's not anything positive or negative. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I'm going to give you one of those today. Yeah, well, I'm sure. Saying. Yeah, yeah. But, I'm saying. But, but, I'm saying. but in essence, this song is definitely a song about, you know, still, it's starting over. I mean, it's it, the title says it all, really. And it's it's so upsetting, but re- resolves with still a positive light. And all the sadness, all that that depression you're feeling in this album, it's personal. You all of it feel is per- his emotions. This is all personal emotions. You're relating it to yourself, there. but it's his stories and his experiences that are pulling it out of you. And well, it, so bring, it brings cute. the duality to the state of the album, not just the song, because there's that that. Uh, push and pull here. There's um, there's some celebration, I suppose. Not, not a full celebration, but there's definitely some songs where he's happy to have achieved what he is, what he has become. At the same time, there's a, there's that reluctant celebrityhood. He has to inherit. Cost, yeah. it's, it's inevitable. He can't avoid it. it. And yes, and there's also that that all that celebrity, all that hero ness that we place upon celebrities. He's still human, and that's the message of this song. Yeah. He is still human for all that everybody loves him. Get, getting up to our final track on the standard version of the album, not the deluxe, though I personally downloaded the du- deluxe on iTunes. Um, we're only covering the standard, um, although I'm going to want to speak a little bit to Castle, one of the deluxe songs after this. But the final track is called Cowboy Boots. And simply put, it's a song about moving on and also moving forward, not forgetting who you are while becoming something new. And it is a very interesting musical choice. Nothing got me more here than the bridge, to be honest. The, uh, the lyrics in the bridge, I think, sum up the track and to some extent the album again. And acquaintances turn to friends. I hope those friends, they remember me. Hold the night for ransom as we kidnap the memories. Not sure there's a way to express what you meant to me. Sit around a table and use those years as the centerpiece. Oh, it's so great. And then it's got that good old boy. Sounds of the city on Capitol Hill where I question if what I'm seeing here is I thought that was a curious choice. Which was, yes, but it has that folk old timey vibe to it. It's his past. It's it's got that nostalgia flavor to it. Essentially, yeah, I I can't deny that. I also I want to bring it back around here because there was a previous track in which he mentioned the uh, cynical hipsters, which was in one of my favorite tracks. There's that sort of desensitization that we're getting to some point, and I feel like because we, we had a big discussion on hipsters in general that hipsters sort of embody that type of desensitization, that we can talk intellectually about these issues without necessarily doing anything. It's just important that we maintain the image and all the, uh, you know, hipsters with long hair, the image of intellectuality. And here it is, right back again, I feel, it's kind of better, even though it, I'm sure PBR, perhaps, probably would not like it. They've actually said that they don't like the association with hipsters and will not use hipsters in their advertisements. However, it's there and it's spread throughout pop culture that yeah. P- PBR is the beer of hipsters. Yeah. Even though it's still pretty good when you want to, you know, drink for cheap. Nevertheless, 
He's bringing it back in this particular track. I thought that was kind of curious, because it's... Nostalgia is what you equated the chorus to. Yes. If nostalgia is the chorus, where does that fit in exactly? Where the time goes slow when you're drinking PBR. I felt like th- that cannot have been an accident. Oh, sure not. I'm sure that's on purpose. Well, it's, he's talking about the nights he stayed up and and the nights he lived with his friends when he was young. When he was doing these bad things. I fantasize about a second win, grow a mustache, pick up another bad habit, and let the games begin. And this life, this is real, even when it feels like it isn't. I'd be a goddamn liar to say I didn't miss it. Well, I don't know, maybe it is an accident, because uh, it's still what you're talking about is pure nostalgia. I don't know, maybe there is no relation to the hipsterhood, but it's still very curious No, I could definitely me. see I him... It doesn't sound like he's describing himself as a hipster in the former life, or is he? I don't know. It maybe could be. I don't that know. That's what... part of part. What was I don't associated know his biography. With... That that was associated with youth, perhaps. That his yeah. own youth was associated with some of that. Uh, he's my age. Yeah. I mean, that cynical. It could be that just PBR is a cheap beer, and if you're drinking, no, that's what I'm age. saying. Yeah. I mean, that could just. It be might that be. As well. It might yeah. be the Seattle version of Kurz. Kurz. Kurzler. Kurzler. Yep. Or it might be the Kersler. Seattle version. I don't know. I don't know. It maybe the, it's, it maybe it's dirt cheap version. out there. But It's but, dirt cheap everywhere. <laughs> to, to, no, particularly dirt to, cheap. But to, to wrap up this song and start moving towards our, our album review... Because we've already gotten long on this. This this song, well, I knew we would. I called it. This album was going to be the discussion, and I knew it. Well, when you're reading lyrics for every track... I because agree. it's one of those records. But um, Cowboy Boots, while it wasn't my favorite song on the record, I, I mean, it's a great conclusion. It really is just a great wrap-up song. It keeps you from end- ending on a sour note. but On the, a depressing note of one of the previous tracks. Like Neon Cathedral. Uh, like Thin Line. Those songs definitely brought you down. This kept you from being too far down. So, I, in that case, and in the overall feel and the, the looking back on life, but not really staying there, a moving forward track, it was great for this emotional journey we've been on. Yeah, and I mean, well, this... it's it's the uh, it's the inevitable conclusion. You will grow up. <laughs> Everyone has to. So, so nah. start take up. the good things, leave the bad. Still haven't grown up. Never will. You're a Toys R Us kid. Peter I Man, still buy Peter Legos, so yeah. That's I, st- true. I still I still buy Legos. All right, let's Who not doesn't? get too, let's let's not get too <laughs> sidetracked. So, um, real quick before we start wrapping up, I want to bring up Castle, which is which? one of the one <laughs> okay. of the bonus ah. tracks which I played for Steve. So Castle doesn't count. It's on the deluxe. Which, I know. It's I'm not, happy. It's not, I'm happy. It's, it's there. Not, it's not part of the review, but the reason I want to bring up Castle is because Macklemore. I feel like this song was a bet between Macklemore and Ryan Lewis to this see is, how is, ridiculous they could be. This is mo, more over the top than Gold plus thrift White shop. Walls or, plus Thrift Shop. This is the epitome of the gangsta life. It's, it's a pure. It's a pure and raw fun song. It's a party song. And it sounds whimsical. I mean, the chorus is is uh, unicorns and wizard sleeves. You know, it it, it it has this whimsical feel. But then the verses are so steeped in sexuality, and talking about booty clapping and all of this stuff. It's just it's such a to me it's such a brilliant marriage of just ridiculousness. It's not necessarily a brilliant song, but it's a fun party song that's just ridiculous. 
I'm glad it's not on the album, though. Because I am. whimsical is not what you needed. At no. no. This, it would not have fit. But, it but was... I think it's perfect for the deluxe edition because it's worth having. Yes. Fair and enough. having separately. More often people are, uh, I think, too intrigued by the tracks or, or take too much stock, I suppose. And the other the tracks t- that become on deluxe editions, they, right. they, they're like, ah, what's that doing there? Get it off. And my but oh my. That's why it's called the deluxe. My oh my, I loved. That's a, now the second. Uh, extra bonus track because it was a real it was a good old fashioned this is my life growing up listening to baseball with my dad I love the story that one portrayed there's so many this is my life songs out there no 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 it was a great glimpse at his childhood and how much he loved listening to the game with his dad and how much baseball meant to him meant to the relationship he had with his father Mm. And also, it doesn't quite fit on the album. But then the final track Victory on the deluxe Lap. is called Victory Lap. And it's literally, it's trumpet-infused victory song. It's literally... I made it. I'm on iTunes. I made it. And you know what? I didn't have I don't to. need to be nice about it anymore. I'm the champion. And it's and just boasting. It's the it's a I boasting song. It was the, I made it There's without no selling out to the labels. I made it on my own. Yeah. It was it's that a, song. It's a pat on the back. Also didn't quite belong on the album, but I liked it. Yeah. And it was a it was a decent close the deluxe, to the deluxe. The deluxe mm. was worth it in this yeah. case. Um, so, I'll I'll start wrapping up. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know what else to say at the end of the album review because we talked about everything. I mean, for me, as far as this record goes, from an emotional standpoint, before I cover the other notes, I mean, I felt something on every song, and I didn't have to hunt for it. I didn't have to look for it. There were some metaphors that were more were deeper than others, and maybe harder to understand to a point. But, I mean, every song made me feel something. And there was, if you, I mean, there was no John saying, no, that's not what that song was. This is what that's. It was so obvious to just about all of us in almost every moment, especially once we talked it out about what this song was. This is a hip hop record like we had not seen in 10 years or more. I mean, I compare it to the second album from, I think it's the second album from Outkast, Dankonia, which was. Of course, the album that had Miss Jackson and Bo and Bombs Over Baghdad, and they also featured tons of Atlanta artists singing with them and guesting on that record. And and this Macklemore record reminds me of that so much. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. It's it's the best hip hop record I have may have heard in a long time. It's for sure breaking boundaries in music in general as well as hip hop. And I say it again, Same Love is a song, whether you like hip-hop or not, if you are a gay rights activist or someone who fights for gay rights, supports gay rights, listen to this song, share this song, post it everywhere you can. It's incredible and beautiful. Everybody who hears that song is either going to enjoy it because its message is amazing, or they're going to hate it because its message is is against everything they stand for. That is a no middle ground song. Yeah. But since Pretty much. but since I'm a big advocate of the former, not the latter, um, definitely check out that song. Absolutely, absolutely five star song without a doubt. And for me, I mean I've given five stars out before, but there's no doubt in my mind, to me this is a five star record in theme, in emotion, in in production in performance, it has everything. There are a few low moments, but those low moments are still good to great songs. I, this is a five-star record. Ro- uh, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis 
did something different. But I'm also giving this five stars because it is adding something to hip-hop as a community and as a music genre. It is a shift. And in, and I would love for there to be more artists to come out following in this in this territory. It's it, but for me as someone who hearkens more on the emotional, I I mean I cried on this album. I laughed on this album. I felt everything. It was a spectrum of emotion, and I loved every minute of it. Okay. This is a tough album to dislike. That's the thing. You, I mean, it's a near impossible album to hate. And it's a very tough album to dislike, even for the the most biased, I suppose, amongst the mu- music community uh, against the hip-hop genre, for whatever reasons it may be. Because, uh, because it's just a bunch of looping, or because some of the lyrics are meaningless. A lot of that is completely shattered when you consider this. It, it is saying so true to what hip-hop is, while stretching it in every possible way. Lyrically, I, I you know, I'm not that familiar with the great uh, pantheon of rappers out there, but I know what I know, and here and there, I've been a little bit disappointed. I think that if one there's one skilled lyricist out there who isn't a rapper at all, but he does a similar type, musically speaking, in terms of the cadence and the rapidity and the the manner in which he, he bounces syllables off of one another and uses alliteration and all these other tools at his disposal, I would cite Jason Mraz as being up there as a very skilled linguist. And I think this guy is right up there with him, if not even surpassing him, and he's doing that thoroughly entrenched within the hip-hop genre. That's pretty awesome for me, who is coming from a not a biased side necessarily, but just being fairly unfamiliar with what's out there and from what I've heard it has been mediocre at best this is anything but this is so extraordinary in terms of his skill level the meaning that he crams in every single track in the album as a whole there's an arc there's a massive arc there and then the music it's not there in every track but when it's withheld it's withheld for good reason and when Ryan Lewis wants to go all out, he goes all out, making the best of the, the sampling. I'm going to have to give this a 4.7. The only reason it's not even a little bit higher is just because I wanted more of the musical end. It's, that's always the thing with me. Is It's balanced out so much by theme, so heavily, but inevitably... I could also go to a poetry slam. That's the that's the thing that's holding it back, is that poetry slam. I would get much of the same idea, especially if uh, if the performer was was speaking in that same intensity and and musical fashion, which is what a lot of poetry slam work is. And I've seen a lot of it, and I admire it for it. So, again, I just want to see a little bit more marriage. That would elevate it uh, to the the true five, which seems untouchable. John? Lyrically, poetic, which is the best term I can use to describe any lyrics, is true poetry. Because poetry are is words you can read and just connect with emotionally in short snippets. 
He also has an astounding amount of meaning. He has an incredible partner in Ryan Lewis. He has the balls to do what he wants to do instead of conforming to anybody's ideas. And that may be the biggest selling point of this album. The biggest part. He has no fear in making what he makes. And I don't know anybody who would be willing to do that. Not in our era. This is everything I want in an album. And I've talked about for weeks I would never do this. And I've said I, I rarely go so high. But this is five straight stars. This is a paradigm shift in hip-hop. People who do this, divorce themselves from label and just speak truth, are what this world needs in music and other forms of media. And everything we have should be like this. He says it himself. He should not be praised for this. But that's not true. Because nobody else does an album like this. Nobody else does art like this. In, in such a harsh environment. That alone gives them points. But it is so beautiful. And I love every song. This is a five-star album. I had just a brief topic that I want to bring up. Which shouldn't okay. go long at all. It's more, mm-hmm. of, a, it's more before, of a point. Before we get in that. Since I'm going to keep this theme that we started, I had started last week on a whim. This album... Hands down, without a doubt, and I'm pretty sure we can all agree, buy this record. Buy the deluxe version, support this guy, let him make more go music. Go on iTunes, go to Best Buy, I don't care where you go, go on his website, buy this record, support this artist. These artists. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, even if it's not your buy taste, this record. Even if it's not your taste, and it's not even my taste 100%, but you got to respect what he's doing. And also, the fact that independent labels... Ugh, they deserve everything. <laughs> they deserve everything for, number one, being, uh, so, you use the term gumption. They have the gumption to go out there and, uh, do also, it on their own, go against all the big shots. Uh, it's, it's something that I would like to see a lot more of. And, well, a world without record labels? Is it possible? Could it if be? you want, if you want something, if you like creativity, artistry, and imagination, and message... Buy this record. It, it's Steve hit the nail on the head. You, it, it's difficult to dislike and almost impossible to hate. So if you like music, buy this record. And that actually brings me up with uh, uh, one other little point there about um, uh, what were we saying? Independent labels. Do you think that technologically speaking, I think that really is uh, a very big possibility. Just because, and we, we talked about that. I think we talked about this episode one, uh, technology's effect on the music industry. It was really yeah. early. Yeah. yeah, I brought that up. It, it really was episode one. I'm positive about that. And and I took the devil advocate side of saying how bad it was. <laughs> As we get closer to 50, I think it's nice that we return to this topic because I think this is the perfect example for everything that we were saying at the time that technology will lead this lead us to this possibility. It yeah. used to be that a few people... Uh, it almost sounds like a metaphor here. A few people have the power, right? And the rest of us, uh, you know, well, whatever. But that's that's a different thing altogether. It's more a matter of just technology will become more available to everyone. Computers are very powerful these days. 
uh, people's knowledge of them is becoming a lot more widespread, obviously. It's just... This is becoming a lot more common, that people... You've said this a lot, Matt, that people yeah. on YouTube are polled and they're, they get their own popularity, they get their own fan base. I, that's and what Joe said about Walk Off there. the Earth. And, you know. Walk Off the Earth was started out on YouTube. Flowbot started off as tiny little independence. Steam Powered Giraffe was yeah. a YouTube sensation. There you are. I mean, these are three bands that we reviewed very favorably that were, were known and I've And I've it mentioned before, the last Gorillaz record, though they're not, not their strongest record, was, was completely made on the iPad. No other, no other instruments or computers. He composed the entire thing and created it on the iPad. Which, I mean, for the songs that I liked, was brilliant. Well, this wasn't even the topic that I wanted to bring up. I'm glad we touched upon it. But I, 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 I can't leave this point hanging before we, uh, before we close up shop. Um, going back to hip-hop. Music versus lyrics. We've talked about this a little bit before. But I want to know, considering that you gave this a five, John, which is pretty extraordinary, considering all of the... Uh, and all the times I've said I'll never give a five. Yeah. And things like that. I mean, we, we know where we stand when it comes to this stuff, but... Man, the lyrics... If the lyrics themselves could do that to you. Did the music have any hand in it at all? Is yes. my big question. Actually, yes. Uh, that was a major component. As you said, when the music needed to take a backseat, it did, and it was... Um, more about the words being spit. Because um, Macklemore's a wordsmith. That's the only way to really put it. Right. But Ryan Lewis is amazing at the way he introduces instruments into his tracks, the way he uses uh, instruments in the setting he's working in, hip-hop, um, the flow style, the way he... He seems to have... I, a very heavy level, a very high level of respect for heritage and the history of music while trying to introduce it to the 21st century. I mean, I appreciate that. It's just, on some, to some, there's a part of me that just wants to hear so much more of it. Don't get me wrong. 4.7 for me is a really, really high rating. I think it's, it's up there in my top three at least. And it's uh, hip-hop, which is completely out of your comfort zone. Exactly. But that's the thing. I'm doing this a little bit outside of taste because I know what it means for society as a whole. This is one of those transitional albums that, that could connect other people to hip-hop and perhaps bring hip-hop fans to other people. That's one of the reasons why I'm putting it so high here. It's just... It's like, it's like what we said before with Ryan Lewis. I would love to see a score there. I would love to see him do more with the medium that he's, uh, that he's begun to some extent. You have to find the perfection in the imperfection is what I take from this. We talked about before. You can't be perfect. There's no such thing. There will never be a perfect record. It's impossible. It's impossible. Perfection Mm -hmm. is truly scary. That's why I won't touch five. (laughs) See, but that's not... Five, I don't see as being true perfection as in there's no flaws whatsoever. Five I being see solid enough to be that paradise ship, to be the ineffable, which is not perfection. Yeah. To well, be that's just the, a higher level na- of you music. You hit the nail on the head as to what I'm actually trying to get at. That ineffable quality. That's, I think, what is slightly lacking here. 
and well, that's kind of it's kind of convoluted to say it in that way. But I think that's one thing that is lacking here is that this album is almost so straightforward. There's no ineffable ineffable left. I caught a little ineffable there, which is why I love uh, Bomb Bomb so much. That's what I think that the purity of music itself can do here, because I think as we go through this album, it's almost impossible for me to to kind of get this in edgewise as we go from track to track, because the lyrics are such the subject matter, you can't overlook that. That is the subject matter. That is what this album is trying to get at. And, that, and yet, no, that comes. We're down. a music podcast. I I I can't ignore. I can't ignore when that's lacking in some sense. I think that's where we. I think that's where it really breaks down. That me, and Matt, our scales are different from yours. Are, are, are different. Oh no, it's not just scales. And when it's it goes, the idea of lyrics versus music, the yeah, marriage of them. But perfect. we're not a music podcast in the sense of music versus lyrics. We're a music podcast. Uh, as three, opposed to the industry. Come on, of music. we're the three components. We're the emotions. We are the three components. The lyrics, the music. And I'm gesticulating between the three of us. Because we're going to calm down now that we don't have to be so serious. Um, This is very serious. uh, Oh, dude. We went two hours just talking about the music. Seriously. Uh, Over two hours, actually, now. You... I can see why you would look for perfection in the chords. I can see that. I can see why. It's not even perfection. I can look... Development. Yeah. I can see why you, you found it... That that four point seven instead of five like me, because of the chords. I honestly the chords were perfect for what everything else was for me. Or as close to perfection as humanity can reach in a setting such as this. See that's true. I just can't in good conscience for the fact that I know that there's been pure instrumentals out there that, that have personally moved me more than this album. Okay, and th- that's what this, this movement. But that's why there's three hosts that's and it. not one. No, that's and, that, and that's and a wonderful. And I format, think this but... album really proves our dynamic. We don't have to drop each other. <laughs> it doesn't, but it doesn't quite. It doesn't just you know polarize our dynamic. It's not like he gave it a three five. Right. And it was like, oh no, it was good. It had some good qualities. The words were pretty good. But musically, it was. I mean, not, for me, yeah, on yeah, my, yeah. in my rating no, system, you appreciated it, all the things that I found to be beautiful. Yeah. And for me, in my rating system, it's the and just this album in general, it's the flaws weren't big enough flaws to take anything away from everything else because they were so phenomenal. In fact, some of the flaws were good being there. I. Th- it's ex- not even that there were flaws per se. It was it's that more. Were... It's more that like I know what more I could have wanted in certain moments. I could not. I have know taken... the situations that could have been developed. I'm a fan of the longer tracks. I could not... I'm a fan of things that kind of go up into six, seven minutes when I you go through the full breadth of a certain idea, a certain emotion, a singular feeling. That's something I can't get out of this medium unless, who knows, maybe that's the next big thing, prog rap. <laughs> I don't think I could have taken a fully rising emotional content of, like, same love, thin line... Uh, neon cathedral, those darker tones, without some of the lighter levels of white walls and, the and gold, I would have. It would have been too much. Mm. I and think it would have hurt it. I think emotionally to be so strong. I think emotionally, those tracks like mm. White Wall and Gold were there to give you a breath of fresh air while still having a message, but not as intense. I you, think that they were necessary and functionally 
perfect. Do you like Finger quotes. Functionally perfect. Do you oh, like, I like those. Do you like spicy foods? Very. Oh, you're a big spicy fan. Very much so. So am I. Are you going to have everything you eat with hot sauce? Are you just going to go for the spice? Go for the spice? Go for the sp- No, sometimes you need a palate cleanser. Sometimes you need sweet. Tart. I don't know. Bitter. I mean, you can't just go. You, you were using that spoke Tabasco sauce on a lot of things. Yeah, I do, but I also <laughs> use other things, and honestly, I, I'm so dead nose that I can't even taste the darn thing anymore. I'm desensitized? Uh, <gasps> I'm desensitized. But, I mean, I can't do a full... Paper Chase was so much of a depressing theme. It probably would have been higher rating if it wasn't. You know, this is where it comes down to uh, taste through and through, to yeah. be honest. Um, I don't know, I guess it goes back and forth. Have we? Have you guys rated on taste before? Yeah. Yeah. You have rated on taste? Yeah. yeah. Taste always is a factor. Yeah. I can't be pure and analytical. Yet, and yet I'm, I'm ignoring it at this point. I, I, I'm ignoring the taste for the sake of what he's doing. So. I mean, but I've done that too. I mean, I've ignored taste for it. I mean, I, I ignored taste for Paper Chase. I... Taste-wise, I hated that record. It made me so uncomfortable I, I couldn't stand it. But I honest, rated it higher because I ignored taste in lieu of the solid theme and, and arc. I'm sorry, Matt. I'm not a big fan of Robbie Williams. I still don't really like his music, but I rated it higher than I probably would have. Hmm. And we'll say the same thing for the Christmas album we did. I hate Christmas. You're a Scrooge. I really hate Christmas music. It's a shame. I know it is. I'm so desensitized. Especially since to we're it. gonna do a Christmas album this Christmas. Uh, no, we're just, not. I just hate. No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not. Yes, we, we already are. discussed this. We're not doing a Christmas album. I'm not gonna let them, folks. Anyway, I we, think we'll, it's we'll, time. We'll, we'll to, do a Christmas album. <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll start. We'll do a Hanukkah really album. If there is one, uh, then it would have to be an Adam Sandler, I believe. Because I don't think anyone else actually does Hanukkah yeah. music. Yeah. Um, Wrapping up. So first, first, do you want to do your? Uh, Spam email of the week, uh, and then I'll get into what we're doing next week. Yes. Okay. I believe I do have a spam mail. I'll find a Hanukkah album. I swear to God, and it won't have Adam Sandler on it. Uh huh. I swear. Uh huh. It might have like thirty different renditions of Dreidel, 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 but it uh, will not have Adam Sandler. Uh huh. Here's the spam. <laughs> I am coming. I cried. Wait for me. Oh, I will come. That's it. By Sakamon Louis Vuitton Pache. French, 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 French. Wow. You sounded like, uh, oh my gosh, what was the name of the candle? Oh, in uh, oh, Beauty yeah, and the Beast. Le yeah. Fieu? Uh, no. Pierre. Pierre. Pierre Le Fieu. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pierre, Pierre the Fire. Could be right. Could be right there. Pierre the Fire. That's it. That was the name. That would make sense all in all. So anyway, that was kind of a pornographic. Uh, yeah, that was kind of intense. Although of, co- it, of course it's it not. It's not really. It's, it's C O M E. No, it's it's spelled C O M I N G. Yeah, and um, and C O M E. Yeah, so it's not really. But it sounds. The exclamation good. points are there. He's, and he that's may... all that exists. There's no context or anything else. We may be too far ahead of him. He may be maybe trying to catch up. Uh, c- c- maybe. Yes. French guy? Probably. <laughs> Louis Vuitton. That's <laughs> as French as we get is Louis Vuitton. Right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so next week we're going to be having Nate and Gary, the gentlemen of Average Intelligence Podcast. Um, their most recent episode, they get spoiler-tastic on uh, Star Trek, so you should go check that out. 
um, which was fun listening to two nerds, very much like us, tell the entire story of Star Trek from beginning to end, forgetting points and then going back and putting them back in. It was amusing. But they're going to be coming on next week as we discuss parody, and they will be bringing us a Weird Al album. Um, I believe one of the older records. So that should be a lot of fun, because we haven't really gotten deep into parody yet. And it should be a excellent break between this album and I know what Steve wants to do. So oh, yes. we'll get into he's, more of that he's I next suppose week. I should wait before I announce it. Yes. Well, I could announce it now. He keeps going on that he's got something that might blow my ears off my head. Well, no, not necessarily. Look, this is one of the reasons why I uh, brought our topic up. Is because this will be... Even though there's still lyrics on almost every single track. He hasn't told me what the name of it is. He refuses to tell me what the name of it is. He wants you to wait, apparently. Yeah. We've never announced two weeks before, so mm-hmm. I don't see any reason why um, I should. Of course, as always, uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, email us questions, comments, complaints. If you want to yell at John, please yell at John. I don't even care anymore. Um, comment on the website. We still got that donate button. Yada, yada, yada. Um... So yeah, so next week we'll have a guest and then we'll kick it to uh, Steve's choice. And then we're coming up on, by the end of the month, we will review the new Daft Punk album. Because we've been anou- talking about that nonstop. And we're announcing that ahead of time, yeah, I guess. Well, because we don't shut up about Daft Punk. Yeah, and it's going to be a pick-all. Yeah, why do we always go back to Daft Punk? I don't get it. Because they are one of the most unique individuals. Well, it's pure techno. Techno, I do believe, techno at its purest. Yeah. And it's just... Raw electrical signals just going into your brain. That's <laughs> Raw because I'm pretty signals. sure those guys are actually robots. Probably. No, they probably are. They're robots. Definitely. That's why they wear the helmets. Because their real not... faces are robot faces. No, those are their real faces because they're robots. Those are those actual oh, okay. heads. That's, That's it. true. All right. Well, on that note, guys, as <laughs> always, light up. <laughs> music, music is, is life. And, and life, life is, is good. good.